SacredHeartRadio.com. Friday, the 3rd of November. It's the Feast of St. Martin de Porres. It's a first Friday as well. Let's begin together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray for those who feel hopelessly trapped by the habits of sin. Grant them forgiveness and peace. We pray for those who fear your anger. Show them also your love. We pray for those who delay examining their decisions and habits. Let them see how quickly life passes. Gracious and merciful God, you heard the groans of a world that labors under the weight of sin. And you sent your only son to lift its burden from humanity's shoulders by taking it upon his own. Hear the prayers of sinners and the victims of sin and deliver us by the power of the cross. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. St. Martin de Porres, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thanks for being along on a Friday morning. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Hope you've had a blessed autumn triduum to this point. But the feasts continue. we got some big ones in the month of November. So after All Hallows' Eve, All Saints and All Souls, we go straight into St. Martin. Actually, a couple of Martins this month. We'll talk about that. Of this hour, we get to talk about St. Martin as a superhero saint with Mary Bajita. Uh, also, Wayne McNeil is doing a, a project with the Glen Mary Home Missioners. Special Mass is their scheduling uh, to uh, intentionally pray for our loved ones who have walked away from the church to come back. He'll tell us about the Surrender Initiative. Ken Craycraft will discuss why Catholics are obliged to be pro-life. An important reflection as lots of people are voting here pretty soon. And then Father Hezekiah Carnazzo is going to look ahead to the Sunday Mass readings. So stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has arrived in Israel. Blinken is expected to push for humanitarian pauses in Israel's war against Hamas and for the Israeli government to protect more civilians in the Gaza Strip. He's also expected to discuss how Gaza will be administered once the war is over and if a two-state solution is still possible. Before leaving Thursday, Blinken told reporters that Palestinian civilians continue to bear the brunt of the Israel-Hamas war and that the U.S. is, quote, committed to making sure everything possible is done to protect civilians, end quote. Meanwhile, the Patriarchate of Jerusalem this week issued a new statement condemning a recent Israeli strike in Gaza. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. The Patriarchate of Jerusalem issued a statement on the 31st of October condemning the Israeli military's bombardment of the Orthodox Cultural Center in the Tel al-Hawa neighborhood of Gaza. In the statement, the Patriarchate emphasized that this attack represented a stark embodiment of Israel's unwarranted determination to destroy the civil infrastructure and social service centers, as well as shelters for civilians trapped in the besieged enclave. 
The Patriarchate highlights that the social, cultural, and sports centers have become vital providers of essential humanitarian services and safe havens for those affected by Israeli airstrikes targeting residential areas, the statement read. The Patriarchate further expressed that this assault on the Orthodox Cultural Center and its service facilities constituted a direct and unjustified attack on one of the pillars of culture and social services in Gaza. The Patriarchate also noted with grave concern that the Israeli military had targeted 19 places of worship, including mosques and churches in Gaza. Such attacks on civilians, particularly children, and the deliberate destruction of civilian infrastructure, it said, cannot be justified on rational or humanitarian grounds and are fundamentally at odds with even the most basic moral values. The Patriarchate reiterated its firm demand for an immediate and comprehensive ceasefire in the Gaza Strip and pledged to continue its international efforts to achieve this goal and to continue its international efforts to achieve this goal as soon as possible. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. Cardinal Timothy Dolan, who chairs the U.S. Bishops Committee on Religious Liberty, has released a statement speaking out against religious hatred that has increased in the United States in the wake of the Hamas attacks on Israel and Israel's subsequent retaliation. Cardinal Dolan said, quote, in the face of such base hatred, we must affirm certain fundamental truths. Every human life is of equally incalculable worth. Hating your neighbors is a grave sin against God who created us all in his image and likeness. Violence only begets more violence, he said, not justice. He said, may those whose hearts have been gripped by hatred repent and may people of goodwill stand courageously for peace. The Alabama Supreme Court is allowing state officials to move ahead with the first execution in the United States using nitrogen gas. The state attorney general asked the court last August if it could proceed with gassing 58-year-old Kenneth Kenneth Smith. He's on death row for the 1988 murder for hire of an Alabama woman. He survived a lethal injection last year after the executioner had trouble inserting an IV into his veins. Yes, or on Wednesday, rather, the Alabama Supreme Court issued an order calling for his execution to proceed Smith will be executed using a face mask connected to a cylinder of nitrogen. Attorneys for former President Trump are filing an appeal to to a gag order placed on him in his federal election interference case. Trey Thomas reports. It prevents Trump from disparaging witnesses. Trump's attorney said in a statement that no court in American history has imposed a gag order on a criminal defendant actively campaigning for public office, let alone for president. I'm Trey Thomas. AAA is reminding drivers to be cautious when traveling because of daylight savings time ending this weekend. Clocks will be turned back an hour at 2 a.m. Sunday morning, resulting in fewer daylight hours. AAA says drivers will face sun glare during their Monday morning commute. And the 2023 World Series was the least watched in recorded TV history. The fall classic matchup between The champion Texas Rangers and the Arizona Diamondbacks averaged 9.11 million viewers. That number was less than the 9.79 million average from the 2020 World Series between the Dodgers and the Tampa Bay Rays. It was a 23% decline from last year's series that featured the Astros and the Phillies. The Rangers series 
ceiling win in Game 5 did average 11.48 billion viewers on Fox. All right, Paul said it in my ear, and I agree with him. It's not fair. It's not fair to these teams. Okay, so you had a Friday night game, mm-hmm. right? Um, then you had a Saturday game, and then up was against it, college football. Mm-hmm. Up against college football. So lots of but options. You didn't have there. a Sunday game. The day that people could have probably like maybe like had a chance to watch football, well, chance to watch baseball, right? Switch over from whatever. What was it? Chargers and Bears? Or I can't even remember what was on Sunday night. So you didn't have that. And then on a Monday night, who's who's going to be able to stay up for a game that doesn't even start until after eight on a Monday night? Well, how many people stayed up for Monday night football? I don't know. Tuesday what? you got Halloween. I wonder what the yeah Halloween I think was very unfair. But it was the one night that I actually got to watch some of the game because my Wednesday, dad was, was over and immediately like, turned it on. <laughs> Wednesday, I thought about it. I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll watch a little bit of it. But then I was like, ah, it'll probably go to a game six. And it didn't. Oh, Matt. So, oh, Matt. I only really got to watch like one of the games. Yeah. Well, when both teams are on, what, Central Time? or Yeah. Is Arizona on? Are they, they don't do daylight savings I, I'm Time not sure how clock changes. So all I know is it's past my bedtime. All of it. All of you it. You are not kidding, man. You are not kidding. Oh well. Oh well. Still, congratulations to the Rangers. You won, and no matter how many well people deserved. were watching, so so there you have it. Happy to have you along with us here on the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. It's nine minutes past the hour. Mary Bida joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. She's the author of two books from our Sunday visitor called God's Superheroes. She's got one on amazing Catholic women and the other on amazing Catholic men. Mary, good morning. Good morning. It's good to have you. Start us off just giving us a bit of an overview about these two books. Well, I wanted to... uh do a book because I wanted the kids to get excited about their faith and about people that were Catholic that went out and changed their world. So I wanted to have people from all walks of life. So it didn't matter where the student was from, where or, or you can find somebody in the book that you have in common with. And I wanted to use superheroes because the world is kind of a scary place right now. Mm-hmm. And um, we're, we're in a place where people are looking for answers, and especially kids. That's why there's so many superhero movies and TV shows. And they're looking for hope and, and finding the evil they, they see, and they're lost, and they're looking for a purpose. And all the superhero stories, it always starts with an ordinary person, and then something happens to them, and, and they get bit by a radioactive spider or find a magical artifact, and they're forever changed, and they go out to fight evil and make the world a better place. And the same thing happened to the people in my book. They were ordinary people until something happened to them, and that something, it was God. And they went out, and they fought evil, and they helped the helpless, and they made a better world. And because they were so close to God, God even gave them abilities that you could call superpowers. Um, And some of their superpowers were simply the tremendous strength it took to rise 
above their own bad situation. They were God's superheroes, and I wanted the kids to get excited about them. So I tried to find superheroes that would that were vital, and, and, and they're out there because, you know, sometimes you look at the saint books and everybody looks so serious and, yeah. you know, and they, they look like they're always praying, but they're, these people were exciting and vibrant and, and funny. I mean, we have a surfer and a cowboy and a motorcycle rider, and, and I wanted to, they were also people from all different countries and races and ages, and some had disabilities. Some were bullied or outcasts. Some were social butterflies. Some were very much troublemakers or pranksters. But they all said yes to God, and God changed their lives, and he changed the world through them. And I want the young people to read about these people and get excited and say, hey, they were kind of like me. They had the same kind of interests that I have, or or they, they felt the way, or they went the same through same thing I went through, and I could be God's superhero, like a call to action kind of. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I have to tell you, the copy that I have in front of me right now is all sticky, thanks <laughs> to my daughter's fingers all over it. I mean, she <laughs> was super pumped when I told her when I tell when I told her that I needed to borrow her book for yeah. an interview with the author today because she loves both of these. Um, books on God's superheroes, amazing Catholic men, and then the women one as well. Um, and it's actually because of her that I knew that St. Martin de Porres was in this book, because uh, the other day on All Saints Day, we were doing a family litany of saints, and mm-hmm. she included St. Martin de Porres. And I thought, how does she have any <laughs> idea who St. Martin de Porres is? And then I thought, oh, yeah, it's that superhero book. So why is Martin de Porres one of God's superheroes in your mind? Well, Martin was a great guy. He, he started out, he had a rough start because he was born in Peru to an African single mom. And in those times in Peru, the African people were greatly discriminated against and treated badly. So they had a very rough time when Martin was growing up. Um, but he never really had a bad attitude from that. He always had a positive, friendly attitude towards everyone, no matter what. He uh, was sent to barber school, and barber school at that time wasn't just cutting hair. It was you set bones, you performed surgeries, you gave medicine, and he discovered he really liked doing that, helping people. And he also felt God calling to him, and so it only at the age of 15, he became a Dominican brother, and he went to work, and he would do anything they asked him to. And he ran into a lot of prejudice and ridicule, but he never let that stop him. He treated everyone with respect, and he was known for his humor and his kindness, and everyone grew to love him. And he had a great great faith and he would pray all the time and when he prayed he prayed so fervently they would see bright lights this this really strange bright light coming out from under his door at night he would actually levitate sometimes while praying in front of the blessed sacrament and that was one thing that i found when i was studying all these amazing people was just like superheroes have a source of power the main source of power for god superheroes basically was the Eucharist. All of them made time and found strength in the Eucharist. But 
Martin would just pray with enthusiasm, such enthusiasm that one time he was praying and the kneeler he was praying on actually caught fire, wow. which he didn't, everybody else was running around and do, getting all excited, but he didn't even notice because he was so focused on God and because he was so close to God, God gave him some of those special gifts. He could bilocate. Um, there were reports of him ministering to people in China and France and Japan, Mexico, even though he never himself left Peru. And then once uh, during there was an epidemic and there was a group of sick monks who were locked in a room, they didn't want them to spread their germs, but Martin took care of them and he went in and out without unlocking the door. Wow. So they're not, they weren't sure how he did that. Uh, the other thing I loved about Martin is uh, he loved animals. Yes. And he was uh, known to be able to communicate with them. And they had just gotten two bulls that were constantly fighting out in the yard in their farm. And he went out and he talked to them and said, you can't do this anymore. And they stopped fighting. Okay, I want to jump in there because I read that and I thought, you know what? Parents need to ask for the intercession of St. Martin de Porres to get their kids to stop fighting. <laughs> like pray to St. Martin hey. and then say, hey, kids, it's time to stop fighting. If it works for the bulls, it might work for the kids. Exactly. The book is called God's Superheroes, and it's by Mary Bida. You can find amazing Catholic men and amazing Catholic women at our Sunday visitor and linked through sunrisemorningshow.com. Mary, thank you so much for your time this morning. Oh, thank you. You bet. All right. It's 17 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. Support is for MediShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Proclaiming the faith, changing lives. The year was 1996. The world over debuts with Raymond Arroyo. Each week, Raymond challenges viewers with important political and cultural reporting and analysis of a wide variety of topics of interest to Catholics and people of faith. To learn more about Mother Angelica's life in the history of EWTN, visit EWTN.com slash Mother Angelica. 
19 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has arrived in Israel and is expected to push for humanitarian pauses in the war between Israel and Hamas. The Patriarchate of Jerusalem this week issued a new statement condemning a recent Israeli strike on an Orthodox cultural center in Gaza. And Cardinal Timothy Dolan, who chairs the U.S. Bishops Committee on Religious Liberty, has released a statement speaking out against religious hatred that's increased in the United States in the in the wake of this war in the Holy Land. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Anna Mitchell, we've got the month of two Martins. Yes, Martin November. Of Martin of Porus today. Martin of Tours on the 11th on the Veterans 11th. Day. I was going to say, not... I guess it's next Saturday. Yeah, you know, actually, tomorrow. I think they've observed it on the 10th this year. Hmm. But uh, You mean Veterans yeah. Day or St. Martin's Day? Veterans Day. Yeah. Well, St. Martin's Day, is, he's still on the 11th. Exactly. Okay. And, of course, it is fascinating. St. Martin was a soldier, and there's this history of things being signed on his feast day, armistices and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, Martin Deporis. He's got all kinds of cool things associated with him as well. We'll get into some of his cool patrons. You got a story to tell. Next hour. This time, next hour. St. Martin's. Pray for us. Why do so many businesses choose to underwrite Sacred Heart Radio? It's because our radio signals reach over 600,000 Catholics locally who've told us they want to use the businesses they hear on Sacred Heart Radio. Listeners that are also in the perfect target consumer group, according to our latest survey. And this is the ideal time to get your business in front of our listeners with our special Christmas underwriting packages. To find out more, email me, Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. Current events remind us that life can change without warning. The team at Gate of Heaven Catholic Cemetery is available to assist you in planning for the inevitable. The Catholic Church teaches the importance of a respectful Christian burial for the body, which was a temple of the Holy Spirit. This includes cremated remains. Give the gift of peace of mind to your family and be assured that your faithful intentions are secured. Call 513-489-0300 or visit gateofheaven.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Fred Espenscheid Plumbing. For plumbing and remodeling, Fred brings 55 years of experience to his work. Licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. Fred Espenscheid, your pro-life plumber. 859-441-0950. 859-441-0950. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirm. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated, stylish, assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. Swaim, joined now by Lewayne McNeil, who's doing a new project with the Glen Mary Home Missioners, and he's here to tell us about it this morning. Lewayne, good morning. Good morning, Matt. How are you? Doing well. And before we get into the uh, the surrender initiative and and that, I just want to let people know you're on the journey home. Your episode airs on Monday. I'm very excited to share your story. You did an awesome job. 
Uh, thanks, Matt. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, it was a, an honor to, to uh, be with you all and to share that conversion story. It's uh, very grateful. So yeah. thank you. So Sacred Heart listeners, if you want to catch a local guy who used to be a Church of Christ minister and is now working for the Glen Mary Home Missioners, then check that out Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern here on Sacred Heart Radio. So, Luane, this uh, Surrender Initiative, if you could give us an overview of what it is and how it works. Great. Yeah, so the uh, Surrender Initiative is a special uh, mass event. Uh, Our first one will be held at... um, St. Thomas More Church, which is in Withamsville. It's part of the Stella Maris Cluster. Um, so this Friday at 6 o'clock, we kick off this, this inaugural event. Um, it will begin with sacred music and confession. For, so for those who are uh, making First Fridays, it's a perfect time to make First Fridays confession. And so confession is 6 o'clock, and then Mass will be at 7 o'clock. And then after the Mass, There'll be a reception, a, a wine reception and cheese reception at the end for the community. And so we're, we're very blessed that uh, St. Thomas More Church, was, it's, our, our, it's our first event, and uh, we, are, we are very, very excited that they were willing to host this event. And uh, it's going to be a great, great evening. Well, Luane, I'm pushing two decades working in various Catholic stuff, and uh, whenever we put out anything regarding prayer requests. The number one prayer request I get, almost no matter what I've been doing or what the context is, is please pray for my family, my loved ones, my kids, my grandkids, my spouse, whoever it is. Uh, They were raised Catholic, and now they're not practicing the faith at all. I mean, this is at the heart of of what a lot of us want for our families, this idea of uh, bringing them back to, to Mass. I mean, it seems appropriate that you would be, you know, using the Mass as a way to specifically pray for these very people. Yes, well, I mean, John Paul VI said that the Mass is the highest form of prayer. And so one of the, I've, I've had a lot of conversations because we're all, like you said, we're all touched by this idea that we have loved ones, whether it's our children, whether it's our godchildren, nieces, nephews, friends, neighbors, who have left the church. And if you look statistically across the United States, you see the staggering number of those who leave the church and now they never return. I think the latest data from, I want to say PRRI Research Institute said that of Catholics that leave the church, close to 50% become nuns, those who have no religious affiliation whatsoever. And so in talking to a lot of uh, you know Catholics, they're they become very brokenhearted to the point where they don't even know how to respond because they don't feel equipped um, to, uh, you know, defend the faith. They feel intimidated that they don't know the right answers. They don't know what to say. And interestingly, the most important thing that we can do is to pray and to pray with intention. And so when I've asked many Catholics, like, well, you know, they'll say, well, what do I do? And I say, well, have you prayed for them? Have you offered, like, sacrifice and reparation for them? And notoriously, it's not, to, it's not a judgment on anyone. It's that sometimes the easiest thing to do is to pray, and the easiest thing to do is what we don't do. So the Mass, since it's the highest form of prayer, and because the prayers of the Mass are united— through Jesus Christ, who takes it to the throne of grace, particularly at the offertory rite, 
if we bring these intentions, then Christ takes these prayers on our behalf, and we can pray for those who have left, those who we love, those, um, you know, those Catholics that we want to return. So it becomes a way in which we can bring them to the throne of grace and Christ and praise, you know, on, on our behalf. Well, it's so funny that you, you, you phrase it that way, because so often when people come to me and say, my loved one left the faith, what book can I give them, <laughs> right? Mm, or correct. or that yeah. sort of thing. And I'm like, well, we, we, you should be praying for this person. And sometimes that's the thing that we that, that that's sort of last on the list. And, you know, with just a moment left here, you mentioned the offertory. I mean, I know that's one of the things you focus on. Like, I, sometimes I think we can think of the offertory as this thing that happens up on the altar, right? Or when the plates get passed, it's this place where you put in money. I mean, this is the place where you're encouraging people to say, you know, I offer up my loved one, right? Yes. And you, and you bring that intention. Um, and it helps you focus because the, the, the way the mass is when the offertory rite happens, what we should envision and think about in, in our inner disposition of bringing these intentions to Christ and our offering is bringing these names and placing them on the altar with Christ. And then Christ takes these intentions. And, you know, this, this whole idea of the Surrender Initiative came about through, um, through a person, through a blessed saint named Elizabeth Lesseur. She wrote an incredible journal that was published after her death called The Secret Diary of Elizabeth Lesseur. And the whole idea behind her journal was she was praying for her husband who became an atheist. And... She prayed in earnest for him. She offered mass intentions for him. And she wrote about this whole journey of this prayer for him in this journal. And after her death, her husband, Felix, discovered this journal, read it. And within a matter of a week, in a matter of weeks, he returned to the church in full communion. And then a couple years later, he ends up becoming a Dominican priest. It's pretty cool. Thanks so much, Loane McNeil. We've got the surrenderinitiative.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. I'd love to see more of this happen across the country. Uh, but if you are in the Cincinnati area, it's happening tonight. Check it out, the surrenderinitiative.com. Half past the hour, here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has arrived in Israel. Blinken is expected to push for humanitarian pauses in Israel's war against Hamas and for the Israeli government to protect more civilians in the Gaza Strip. He's also expected to discuss how Gaza will be administered once the war is over and if a two-state solution is still possible. Before leaving yesterday, Blinken told reporters that Palestinian civilians continue to bear the brunt of the Israeli-Hamas war and that the U.S. is, quote, committed to making sure everything possible is done to protect civilians, end quote. Around 400 Americans have been approved to leave the Gaza Strip through the border crossing with Egypt. Mark Mayfield reports. They began evacuating Wednesday afternoon. President Biden says over 70 Americans so far have been able to leave war-torn Gaza and more are expected to evacuate in the coming days. At least 300 foreign citizens were able to leave Wednesday as Israeli airstrikes continued in the region. Thousands have been killed in the densely populated Gaza Strip since fighting began on October the 7th with deadly attacks that were launched by Hamas. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Patriarchate of Jerusalem this week issued a statement condemning a recent strike in Gaza. 
From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov has more. The Patriarchate of Jerusalem issued a statement on the 31st of October condemning the Israeli military's bombardment of the Orthodox Cultural Center in the Tel Al-Hawa neighborhood of Gaza. In the statement, the Patriarchate emphasized that this attack represented a stark embodiment of Israel's unwarranted determination to destroy the civil infrastructure and social service centers, as well as shelters for civilians trapped in the besieged enclave. The Patriarchate highlights that the social, cultural, and sports centers have become vital providers of essential humanitarian services and safe havens for those affected by Israeli airstrikes targeting residential areas, the statement read. The Patriarchate further expressed that this assault on the Orthodox Cultural Center and its service facilities constituted a direct and unjustified attack on one of the pillars of culture and social services in Gaza. The Patriarchate also noted with grave concern that the Israeli military had targeted 19 places of worship, including mosques and churches in Gaza. Such attacks on civilians, particularly children, and the deliberate destruction of civilian infrastructure, it said, cannot be justified on rational or humanitarian grounds and are fundamentally at odds with even the most basic moral values. The Patriarchate reiterated its firm demand for an immediate and comprehensive ceasefire in the Gaza Strip and pledged to continue its international efforts to achieve this goal and to continue its international efforts to achieve this goal as soon as possible. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. Colonel Timothy Dolan, who chairs the U.S. Bishops Committee on Religious Liberty, has released a statement speaking out against religious hatred that has increased in the United States in the wake of the Hamas attacks on Israel and Israel's subsequent retaliation. Colonel Dolan said, quote, in the face of such base hatred, we must affirm certain fundamental truths. Every human life is of equally incalculable worth. Hating your neighbors is a grave sin against God who created us all in his image and likeness. Violence only begets more violence, not justice. He said, may those whose hearts have been gripped by hatred repent and may people of goodwill stand courageously for peace. The Alabama Supreme Court is allowing state officials to move ahead with the first execution in the U.S. by nitrogen gas. The state attorney general asked the court last August if it could proceed with gassing 58-year-old Kenneth Smith, who is on death row, for the 1988 murder for hire of an Alabama woman. He survived a lethal injection last year after the executioner had trouble inserting an IV into his veins. On Wednesday, the Alabama Supreme Court issued an order calling for his execution to proceed. He will be executed using a face mask connected to a cylinder of nitrogen. Jurors have found FTX founder Sam Bankman freed guilty on seven federal counts of fraud and conspiracy. Nearly 20 witnesses testified over a month-long period on the cryptocurrency exchange founder's case. He faces more than 100 years in prison. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past the hour. with classic hymns at the second annual St. Cecilia Carol Sing at St. Andrew the Apostle in Milford, Sunday, November 19th at 3 p.m. Learn more at sacredheartradio.com slash events. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air, treating customers with integrity for over 90 years for heating, air conditioning, water heaters, plumbing, and more. Schneller Knockelman at skpha.com. 
SKPHA.com. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Feast of St. Martin de Porres, Friday, November the 3rd. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Online at skpha.com. Getting warmer today. Right now it's kind of chilly, though, with temperatures in the lower 40s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, mostly sunny skies today with a high of 59 degrees. Partly to mostly cloudy tonight. Slight chance for some rain and an overnight low of 41. Mostly cloudy with another slight rain chance tomorrow and a high of 62 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, sunny start to the day, then increasing afternoon clouds and a high of 59 Mostly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 43. Mix of clouds and sun tomorrow with a slight chance for a sprinkle and a high tomorrow of 62 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. It's 37 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along with us on a Friday morning. Sunrise Morning Show legal and political analyst Ken Craycraft is back with us now. He's a professor at Mount St. Mary's Seminary. He writes for the Catholic Telegraph and our Sunday visitor, among other publications. Ken, good morning. Good morning, Annie. Nice to be with you again. It is nice to have you back. And things have been rather heated in Ohio ahead of this off-year election, thanks mostly to Issue 1, with Ohioans set to vote, or, well, I guess they have been voting and early voting, on whether or not to enshrine abortion in the state constitution. And the conversation that we're going to have this morning has been spurred on by a billboard campaign. I saw one of these billboards the other day now from uh, the group, the so-called Catholics for Choice, um, encouraging Catholics that it's okay to vote yes and enshrine abortion in the Ohio Constitution. And when I saw this billboard, I thought, no, it's not. It's not okay for Catholics to do this. But then I thought, Ken, I'm not sure if I know exactly how to articulate that to someone who might ask, why is it that Catholics have to be opposed to abortion? So could you start off with just a a quick explanation as to why that is? Well, yes, let let me start off with one other thing first, sort of as a preface to to that, Annie. And that is, I don't believe that there is any such group as Catholics for Choice. This is these are this is this is yet another strategy by the pro-abortion industry in Ohio to to try to uh, deceive people about issue one. Now, you know, are are there Catholics who people who identify as Catholics, people who are baptized Catholics who are pro-choice? Yes. But is there an organization Catholics for Choice? I don't think so. I think this is just yet yet another way 
another avenue, another demographic to uh, address through the pro-abortion industry. So having put that aside, here, here's the, this is the crux of the issue, Annie. The, the Fifth Commandment for, forbids intentional killing. It's important to note it doesn't, and it forbids it categorically. It's important to note that that categorical forbid for uh, uh, that categorical prohibition of killing, uh, of intending to kill, has no exceptions. And here's how the Catechism puts it. And this is why it, this is a non-negotiable issue. The Catechism says this: "Quote, the Fifth Commandment." forbids direct and intentional killing as gravely sinful. Intent, uh, and, and let me read it again. The fifth commandment forbids direct and intentional killing as gravely sinful. Abortion is always intentional killing. It's always forming the intent to kill. There, and that by definition, that's what it is. Now, in Ohio, as, as you've talked about uh, uh, through leading up to this, and as other people have talked about, even outside the context of Ohio, uh, there are treatments such as for ectopic pregnancy and miscarriages and other things. None of those involve the intentional killing of the unborn child, of the developing fetus. But intentional killing always is. And therefore, no, a Catholic cannot support a constitutional amendment or a law which allows for the intentional killing of a human being, period, whether that human being is born or unborn. And that, and you know, we talked uh, off the air, of course, about uh, this segment, and you, you, you said, why, what's the difference between that and things that are open to prudential judgment? And so we begin with that. We, that is a categorical prohibition of forming the intention to take a human life. Abortion is forming the intention to take a human life. It's not open to prudential judgment. It's not open to interpretation. And it's not open to contextualizing the way other uh, 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 issues are, even issues that might be related to human lives and the integrity and dignity of human lives. Yeah, I mean, those who would try to argue that Catholics are allowed to have different opinions on the issue of abortion don't realize that this is this what what frustrates me Ken and maybe you can speak to this is that abortion has turned into a political issue when when this is so far beyond politics for for humanity but right. especially for the catholic Absolutely. It's a fundamental human issue. It's not a political issue. And like so many things in America, um, we Catholics, from the left to the right, uh, have politicized our faith in such a way that our positions are far more informed by our political positions than they are by the teaching of the Catholic Church. And I'll, I'll plug my book coming out early next year nice. uh, uh, on that very issue, uh, Citizens Yet Strangers, coming out from our Sunday Visitor Press. And my argument there is very similar to the one that you just made, is that we politicize everything. And when we do that, we reduce our faith to our political identification. And this is what happens in the U.S. Uh, and and issues like abortion are really sort of the central point of how that happens is that we take our party platforms position on on some big issue and then we mold our faith or form our faith to that party platform position and and i i think that you, know, you and you see that and that it's not just about abortion Andy. it's also about things like capital punishment and immigration health care policy uh, welfare policy educational policy uh and and lots of other issues as well yeah well I guess that's where I want to ask about how to respond to somebody 
that will say, yeah, well, you only care about the child right. while, you know, up until birth, and then you don't care about the baby anymore, the woman anymore, and 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 they will use that as some sort of crutch to support their own perspective that abortion should be legal, and we're left kind of speechless in a way if if we have mm-hmm. given ourselves up to the the party platforms and and just following that straight line. But does the fact, even if somebody doesn't support all of the various social programs that would support the poor, that doesn't mean that that makes abortion okay. Correct. It doesn't invalidate the moral position that abortion is uh, is prohibited, uh, but it does call to some, call something to mind, Andy, and that's this. No, no. We uh, strictly speaking, you could say I'm not responsible for that person having gotten pregnant who can't support a child, but but. We also have to affirm the doctrine of solidarity, and we have to understand that that child didn't choose to be conceived. So um, it's a slander, of course, to say that we only that we are, who are opposed to yes. abortion only care about the unborn child, because many of us do uh, give ourselves to uh, to un, to early childhood uh, education, to supporting mothers, to supporting young children, mm-hmm. either directly through the things that we do or through donations. And and there are many ministries across the country, both by Catholics and evangelicals, who do that. So it's a slander. On the other hand, it is important for us Catholics to understand that beyond when it when there are cases beyond which private initiative is able to take care of. Uh, uh, um, single mothers or children in single single uh, parent households that there might be situations in which uh, it it calls upon us to endorse situ- uh, situations in which the government might step in and we have to understand that that might involve some of our tax dollars that might go against our party platform the party that we identify with but that's a, exactly a situation in which our faith commitment has to transcend our partisan commitments so that we see the uh, uh, the the fullness of Catholic moral theology it doesn't stop with the prohibition to kill the child but it continues to the doctrine of supporting all human beings and the dignity of all human beings and when that dignity is not supported or when the parents themselves oftentimes through no fault of their own are not able to support the dignity of that child then and if, and if private initiative is not sufficient to do that then we do have to ask what kind of government initiatives are appropriate and which kinds are not consistent with subsidiarity. It's not a blank check on the one hand, but on the other hand, we do have to take seriously our commitment to the dignity of the child even after the child is born. But once again, Annie, that has nothing to do with the absolute prohibition of forming the intention to kill that child in the first place. And we could turn the tables and say, well, if you're so concerned about the child after it's born, why are you so willing to form the intention to kill it before it's born? Such a good point. It is such a scandal to hear Catholics say it's okay to support abortion. And um, yeah, pray for Ohio, everyone. Please pray for Ohio. Very, very consequential election coming up on Tuesday here in in our state. We've been talking to Ken Craycraft. You can find him linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Ken, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Annie. Have a good day. You too, thanks. All right, it's uh, 13 till. Father Hezekiah Carnasso is next.
Support is for MediShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. One of the reasons we should go to Mass is because if you look in the Catechism, you will see the fruits of Holy Communion. And these are remarkable things that we can receive at every Mass that we attend. We encounter the risen Lord, and He shares something of His divine life and love with us. The Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, live from the EWTN Chapel, every morning, 8 Eastern, on EWTN Radio and Television. Welcome back to the Sunrise Morning Show. Father Hezekiah Carnazzo from the Institute of Catholic Culture here to preview the readings for the 31st Sunday in Ordinary Time this weekend. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Annie. It's a blessing to be with you and your listeners today. It is a blessing to have you back. And our first reading Sunday is from the book of the prophet Malachi or Malachi, depending on, you know, whether you're Irish or not. Uh, the Lord having the Lord having some rather choice words for the priests through the prophet Malachi. He says that they have voided the covenant of Levi and that their blessings will be curses now. I mean, sounds pretty bad here, Father. What have the priests been doing? Well, we've spoken a lot, Annie, in the past on your show about the tragic importance of the Babylonian captivity that took place six, seven hundred years, give or take, before the coming of Christ. And 70 years following that, their return from Babylon to Jerusalem and the surrounding area, the Holy Land. And when they did return, they did so with foreign gold. If you remember the story, the King Cyrus, the Persian, suddenly, miraculously, had a conversion of heart and comes to faith in the one true God. And when he did that, he gave them money, much like Pharaoh, as they came out of Egypt, the Israelites were loaded with Egyptian gold. So in a similar way here in this this time period, which ends the Babylonian captivity, the people head back to the promised land, loaded with money to rebuild the temple. And that's the purpose of it. Go back, rebuild the temple, restore the sacrifices and so forth. But unfortunately, what takes place, we learn from the prophets, is that the people of God return to the promised land and they busy themselves with their own concerns, rebuilding their own homes, taking care of their own things. And, of course, we also know that what ensues is a time of, of drought, a time of famine, so forth. And the people are asking why, and Malachi basically is their answer. He's the Lord's messenger by translation of his name, and he comes to give the message, the response to the people saying, it's because your hearts aren't right with the Lord. You priests that are supposed to be offering sacrifice to God, 
what are you doing? Rather than offering the firstborn and the first fruits and worshiping God in sincerity of heart, they're bringing blind and lame animals and not giving God the full worship due to him. They may be following the law. They may be fulfilling the so-called obligations, the minimum of what is required, but their heart's not in it. And, 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 and ultimately, their offerings are rejected. And so we see a similar kind of circumstance going on in the gospel in Matthew 23. So for the past any number of weeks, I can't remember how many weeks now, we've been in the midst of Holy Week and the scribes and the Pharisees have been trying to trap Jesus by asking him questions. And he has, of course, turned it around on them and silenced them. And now... He turns to the crowds. Tell us about this. Yeah, he turns to the crowds and says, look at these guys. These are the guys you call teachers. These are the guys you call masters. These are the guys you call father. And look, they're bankrupt. They may be saying the right things. Their homily might be really good. But their life that they're living behind the scene is corrupt. And it's a warning to all of us in this Old Testament reading and in the gospel text that the Lord wants our heart. He doesn't want us to fulfill the jot and tittle of the law, well, he does, to, to the extent that that is an avenue by which we might offer ourselves to him. But ultimately, he wants our heart instead of what's left over in our pockets. And maybe we can apply this very quickly because Malachi warns. He says, you guys, are, you, you're, you're bringing your offerings to the Lord, but you're not bringing the full tithe, the 10% of what you receive, the first fruits, and calls us to repentance to look and say, hey, what are we doing? Are, are you called to support the church? I'm going to go ahead and play this now. Are you called to, to offer charitable support to the church? Yes. Well, the tradition is 10%. The first fruits of what you have received ought to be given to the Lord. And if you're, you're not in the habit of tithing, my brothers and sisters, let me tell you right now, this is a long-standing Christian tradition custom to offer 10%, first 10% of what we receive. It's all the Lord's anyways. Give that back to God. As we offer, this is our, our first fruits. These are our lambs of today, if you will, that we would be offering to the Lord. Not the blind, not the lame, not what's left over in our pockets when the basket is passed around. But to make an intentional offering of our life, the first 10% of what we have, our talents, our time, our treasure for the Lord, as a way to recognize that our whole life is a gift from Him, and then to enter into this relationship with the Lord rather than fulfilling the obligations, the minimal obligations of the law. Did I get to Mass just in time to hear the reading or the gospel or whatever it is? Did I do just enough fasting that it counts? No, no. The Lord wants our whole heart, our whole life in relationship with Him. That way we might receive what He has to offer, and that is the fullness of His life. So well put. Um, I want to ask you one more question before we let you go, Father, because Jesus says here, the scribes and the Pharisees have taken their seat on the chair of Moses. Therefore, do and observe all things whatsoever they tell you, but do not follow their example. And so my question is because as I'm reading this from an American standpoint, it's like, well, you got all these hypocrites. I'm not going to follow you. I'm not going to do what you say. And yet Jesus is saying do what they say, just don't well, follow their example. How do we how do we look the, at that? Right, to the extent that they're teaching the truth, then we ought to follow them according to what we've received, but follow the teachings. It's not their teachings, it's Moses' teaching, right? To the extent mm. that they are teaching the Mosaic law, they ought to be followed. 
But, of course, Jesus isn't saying to follow them into the pit if they're teaching things contrary to the law. No, they're living contrary to the law, so don't live according to the way they're living. To the extent they're teaching the truth and the, the way of truth, fine. And it's the same today is, is true. And I think maybe we can conclude with this, Annie. There are many teaching the truths of the faith out there, but their lives are, are something to other. The extent that they're not teaching the truth, we can't follow them. Some would, would say we need to bless homosexual so-called marriages and uh, even, even bishops and cardinals teaching things contrary. They, we can't follow them. No, otherwise, otherwise we come into communion with false, the one who is the, the author of, of error, and that is the devil. And I don't want to have a communion with him. No, we follow the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the extent that our church leaders are teaching the truths of, of, of the faith, we can follow. But oftentimes, sadly, in our, in our private life, in our moral life, not ultimately living the way we ought to, and we ought not follow their example in that way either. We've been talking to Father Hezekiah Carnazzo And Father, if listeners want to see what's coming up over at the Institute, where do they go? Instituteofcatholicculture.org. Come check it out. Everything's free of charge. Learning the truths of the faith, the perennial teachings of the church. Instituteofcatholicculture.org. And you can find the Institute of Catholic Culture linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. And I encourage you to check out the Bible study, the Sunday Gospel Reflections that Father and I do on a weekly basis to uh, really dive into all of the readings for Mass on Sunday. Linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Click that subscribe button. Get it all in your inbox every morning as we go on the air. We got another hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up for most of our affiliates here on EWTN Radio. Sacred Heart Radio family, asking you to give us $75 a month is a lot to ask. But the fact is it costs $150 every hour of the day for us to operate. Now, with underwriting paying for half of that, if it's possible to give $75 a month, thank you. But we're grateful for whatever you're able to donate. And to do that or find out more about underwriting, visit sacredheartradio.com. And to get even more listeners, tell everyone about Sacred Heart Radio and the Sacred Heart Radio app. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Twin Dental of Cincinnati. Since 1986, twin brothers Drs. David and Michael Rothen have been providing superior dental care in a relaxed and comfortable setting for the entire family. The twin dental doctors utilize advanced dentistry techniques from sedation to implants and the latest in cosmetic options to preserve and beautify smiles. Twin Dental, located just off the I-275 exit at Hamilton Avenue. For a complimentary evaluation, 513-825-6111 and online at twindental.com. All are precious in God's sight, no matter our age, race, ability, or residence. Yet many lives are threatened, especially in the womb. Cincinnati Right to Life works to protect the good gift of life at every age and every stage. For more information, go to CincinnatiRightToLife.org. Looking for a special gift for a loved one this holiday season? Consider an offering of rest, prayer, and a time for reflection. Give the gift of a weekend retreat at the Jesuit Spiritual Center, a time to get away from the busyness of life and embrace God's love and mercy. Call now at 513-248-3500 for more information. That's 513-248-3500, 513-248-3500.
Hi, I'm Mara Cagney-Tipton with the Cagney Family and Cowell Banker Real Estate, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. My father, Guy, brother, Patrick, and I are here to help your family find the perfect home. If you have any real estate questions, 513-720-1411. The Cincinnati Chapter of Legatus is a national network of Catholic business owners, CEOs, and managing partners facing the challenges of faith, family, and business each day. We meet once a month with our spouse for a mass, dinner, and speaker. We have the support of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati and many members throughout the parishes, including yours. We would appreciate the chance to share what we are about with you and enjoy Mass together soon. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at SunsetJanitorialSupply.com. I'm Deacon Bill Mullaney from Immaculate Heart of Mary Parish. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at SacredHeartRadio.com. Friday, the 3rd of November, the Feast of St. Martin de Porres. Let's begin together in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, praying the Collect from Mass today. O God, who led St. Martin de Porres by the path of humility to heavenly glory, grant that we may so follow his radiant example in this life as to merit to be exalted with him in heaven. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. And glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. Martin de Porres, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being along here on a Friday morning. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. We'll check in with Joe Heschmeyer from Catholic Answers. Maybe you've heard of the trolley problem. It's a uh, sort of an ethical dilemma. There are actually a few different versions of it, and Joe's going to respond to one that's been making the rounds on the memes lately. Bill Schmidt from Onward is going to discuss some generational conversations. Uh, you know, often it can be a little tricky to figure out how generations can be in communication with one another. And there are actually some cycles and patterns that we can learn from generational thought and study. We'll also talk to Father Jonathan Duncan from the Diocese of Charleston, get a preview of the Sunday Mass readings with him. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now it's two minutes past the hour. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has arrived in Israel. Blinken is expected to push for humanitarian pauses in the Israeli war against Hamas as, and for the Israeli government to protect more civilians in the Gaza Strip. He's also expected to discuss 
how Gaza will be administered once the war is over and whether a two-state solution is still possible. Meanwhile, in Washington, the House has passed a bill to give more than $14 billion in aid to Israel in its war against Hamas. Brian Shook reports. The bill will now head to the Senate in an early test for new Speaker Mike Johnson. The House GOP bill was called deeply flawed by Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, who says the Senate will not take it up. Democrats do not like the fact that the bill does not also provide aid to Ukraine, as well as the fact it cuts funding to the IRS. I'm Brian Shook. Pope Francis this week continued his condemnation of war around the world, and particularly the war in the Holy Land. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells reports. In his interview on Italian state broadcaster Rai Uno, Pope Francis repeated emphatically, every war is a defeat. Nothing is solved with war. Nothing. Everything is gained with peace, with dialogue. The Pope was speaking specifically in response to a question about the current situation in the Middle East, and especially the situation in Gaza and Israel, and lamented the current war as one more in a long line of defeats, going back to the end of the Second World War. Wars have not stopped, he said, while placing the blame in large part on the arms industries that profit off of violence. Turning back to the situation in Israel and Palestine, the Pope said he speaks every day with religious in Gaza. I called the Egyptian assistant priest, Father Yusuf, every day, he said. The Catholic parish in Gaza is currently hosting more than 560 people, mostly Christians, but also some Muslims, as well as numerous sick children who are cared for by the missionaries of charity. Every day I try to accompany them, the Pope said, adding, for the moment, thank God, the Israeli forces respect the parish. In his interview, the Pope also condemned anti-Semitism, which he said sometimes remains hidden, but unfortunately has not gone away. I can't explain it. I have no explanation, he said, but it's a fact that I see it and I don't like it. Asked about the possibility of global escalation, Pope Francis warned that it would be the end of many things and many lives. But he said, I think human wisdom will stop these things. And while remembering the war in the Holy Land, Pope Francis also drew attention to conflicts in Ukraine, Kivu, Yemen, Myanmar, and other places throughout the world. The world is at war, the Pope said, but the arms industry is behind it. I'm Christopher Wells. Cardinal Timothy Dolan, who chairs the U.S. Bishops Committee on Religious Liberty, has released a statement speaking out against religious hatred that has increased in the United States in the wake of this war in the Holy Land. Cardinal Dolan said, quote, in the face of such base hatred, we must affirm certain fundamental truths. Every human life is of equally incalculable worth. Hating your neighbors is a grave sin against God who created us all in his image and likeness. Catholic Charities USA is responding to what it's calling disturbing comments by a social media influencer during a weekend live stream from Fall Freedom Fest in Vero Beach, Florida. Social media influencer Stu Peters reportedly made claims that Catholic Charities, quote, coaches illegals on how to get admitted into the U.S. Peters also reportedly said that shooting people who are trying to invade the U.S. would be a good first step and shooting Catholic charities would be a good second step. In a statement, a spokesperson for Catholic Charities USA referred to Peters' comments as reprehensible threats that could endanger the lives of staff members and volunteers.
And AAA is reminding drivers to be cautious this weekend because daylight savings time is ending. Clocks will be turned back one hour at 2 a.m. Sunday morning, resulting in fewer daylight hours. AAA says drivers will face sun glare during their Monday morning commute. And I say a lot of people will be showing up to mass early on Sunday because they forgot to change their clocks. Well, so this is one of the many skills that has atrophied for me over the years is that, you know, if you got a phone as an alarm and then the phone automatically switches in your sleep, you know, you just don't know the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd be fine if we just didn't do the time change. Um, be, I saw that, I'd be Ohio, fine with that Ohio lawmakers this week, they've been urging Congress to just eliminate it. Well, I think I mean, it's on. This is my own personal opinion, but I don't think it's necessary anymore. We have, um, it's this really neat invention called a light bulb. So there's that. But also, I feel like, you know, maybe we're meant to flow with the seasons themselves. Oh, Matt, way to get so philosophical. And I'm so with maybe, you. Though. Maybe rather than try and control the time, we should, you know, dance receive, to the rhythm of it receive it we should be yeah, time is something we should receive rather than try and harness yeah i agree where's uh where's dr cutterback oh to... man i wonder what dr cutterback what thinks about, about daylight this. savings time <sighs> matt why didn't you we bring so this up to me earlier this week aspect of time and not near enough on the kairos aspect I, when is the Kairos time change? That's what I want to know, Anna Mitchell. Well, you know, Dr. Cutterback's a big fan of candlelight. Yeah? Yeah. I think the Kairos time change is at the end of the age. I think you might be right. It's eight minutes past. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Joe Heschmeyer from Catholic Answers. You can find them at Catholic.com. Joe, Good morning. Good morning. You've been thinking about the trolley problem lately. What have you been thinking? <laughs> I've been thinking about the trolley problem lately. There are variations, but which version have you been looking at? Yeah, so there's a new version of the trolley problem that's uh, obviously meant as a critique of belief in God. And so for you know listeners who may not be familiar with the trolley problem, there are a lot of variations. Flip a foot is the philosopher who first came up with it. The question is, you know, you've got to a trolley approaching uh, a fork in the track, and if it if it continues on the way it's going, it's going to run over five people. You can flip a switch uh, to help it avoid that, but if you flip that switch, it's going to be directed onto a track in which it'll kill one person. And the question is, you know, is are you saving lives? Is this murder? Is this consequentialism? How do we kind of think about this? And it's an important problem in ethics. We're not going to talk about that one because it's inspired a lot of variations, some of them serious and some of them more tongue-in-cheek. And this one is somewhat satirical, but it's mocking the belief in God. And so it just says, you're an omniscient, omnipotent creator of the universe. You create some people, place them on a track, and make a trolley hurdle toward them. You promise to save them if they accept that you're the creator of this situation. Are you evil? That's, that's, the, you know, that's the critique, and this is something that inspired a lot of uh, reactions online. Because at first blush... If you follow the kind of thinking of the trolley problem where, you know, some crazy maniac has tied five people to one track and, and one to another, 
it looks like they've just kind of successfully said, yeah, isn't God like that? Well, that would be a pretty stirring critique if you and I were Calvinists, right? But we are not. (laughs) We are Catholics. So where does this problem break down? Yeah, it breaks down when you really start to figure out how the uh, analogy or metaphor actually works. So take the line, you create some people, place them on a track, and make a trolley hurdle towards them. What is that actually representing? You could say, well, we are forced to, you know, undergo physical pain and suffering. And this is what's sometimes called natural evil. But if you interpret this, you know, this version of the trolley problem that way, that, oh, is God evil for creating a world in which people are going to have pain and suffering? Well, then it would seem like you'd also have to accuse every parent of bringing a child into a world in which they know there will be pain and suffering. That if we aren't ready to, you know, instead which of giving some people like, would do, by the way, I mean, <laughs> yes, it is an argument true. that some people use. But even if we were to go to that extreme where birth is no longer a thing to celebrate with like a birthday, but it's just like a tragedy where we just like accuse the parents. Well, even if you're going to go to that kind of crazy extreme, it still doesn't follow that belief in God spares you from pain and suffering. So the next line, you know, you promise to save them if they accept that you're creator of the situation just wouldn't be true. So the critique doesn't even work on the level of natural evil. But the other way to understand it is to think about spiritual evils, things like sin, and especially eternal separation from God and hell. But if that's the interpretation, well, then we're not tied to the track, right? God doesn't say you have to sin. And now this is this is where I think you're you're right that there are some forms of Christianity that may say God makes it so you can only sin and and then damns you for it. Well, you're right; that would be unjust. But even in that case, you, you don't have the ability to, like, cry out to him and be saved from it. So it doesn't even really work against Calvinism. But in that, we would say, look, we're not tied to the track. As the Catechism puts it in 1033, to die in mortal sin without repenting and accepting God's merciful love means remaining separated from him forever by our own free choice. And so... It refers to what it calls a definitive self-exclusion from communion with God and the blessed. And that's what hell is. It, hell is self-exclusion. That In a real sense, you have to damn yourself. You have to choose sin and rejection of God over the love of God. That's the actual Christian method, message that the Catholic Church presents. Not you are, you know, helpless. Uh, you know, you're just going to have to go to hell. There's nothing you can do about it. It's like, no, no, no. The whole point is we have rebelled from God, not that God has like put us here to torment us and then eternally separate himself from us. Well, I mean, the better analogy would be, and this is, there's no good analogy, would be that we tied ourselves to the track. We can't remember how we made the knot, right? It's something we can't free on our own. And God is standing there as the trolley is coming saying, let me undo this knot for you. I mean, that seems to me like it would be the better understanding of how this works. Yes, and some of us, right after we get untied, just go and tie ourselves like, back oh, up again and lay back again. down. <laughs> Wait, I was comfortable there. Yeah, but there's a reason you want it out of that. You know, yeah. th- that kind of thing is, that is much more the situation. Like, we have laid ourselves on the tracks. We have, you know, chosen this. And <laughs> Christ, if you will, lays himself on the tracks and dies for us to spare us the, the death of the trolley. And then all we have to do is accept that he wants to untie our knots and move us out of there. But some of us still are going to say no. There are other massive philosophical layers you can back up to on this, which is uh, there's an omniscient, omnipotent creator of the universe who creates this whole mal- uh, morality, 
but we think that it's wrong. Well, where did our conception of what is right and wrong about being on the tracks even come from in the first place? (laughs) Yes, exactly. So that last line, are you evil? It's like, great. What do you mean by evil? Because if you just mean I don't like God's behavior, that's not particularly interesting. You know, I don't like what God does. Okay, well, if I have to choose between the morality of the creator of the whole universe or you, I know who I'm going with. Uh, Or you could be saying that there's some kind of objective standard of morality. You could be saying, no, no, it's not just personal preference. It's actually morally wrong for anyone, even God, apparently, to behave in this way. Well, great. Now we can ask, where is this objective binding standard of morality coming from? And you better not say culture. You better not say genes. You better not say evolution or anything else that wouldn't make any sense applied to God. And so then we can have that question about, metaphysical good and the nature of evil. But I don't think atheists are are particularly prepared to have that conversation when they throw out this idea that God is evil. Well, there are a lot of people who've seen variations on the trolley problem show up on their social media feeds and, you know, the stunners that that the meme world produces, you know, the memes that have, you know, silenced the greatest minds in history by like one one frame comics uh, but you've dissected this one pretty well if our listeners want to go to catholic answers and find your response to this particular trolley meme how do they do so yeah if you go to catholic.com it's in the section uh called magazine i just found it on the website myself because it's part of our, our blog feature which are shorter uh, pieces so they're they're a little harder to find yeah it's a little a little little short piece but it's very compact and it it answers what a lot of people think are like a, the aha argument <laughs> you know, against, yeah. <laughs> against God. But thank you so much, Joe Heschmeyer. Always oh, appreciate you. We've got you linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. All right, we got headlines next. It's 16 minutes past the hour. Support is for MediShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. 
EWTN's Religious Catalog has terrific suggestions for Christmas gifts. Good Night Jesus, a children's bedtime story by Kate Sidner, is a delightful book that helps children reflect on God's blessings in their lives and will awaken their young hearts to the consoling joy of God's love for them. Good Night Jesus, a children's bedtime storybook, is one of many great Christmas gifts from EWTN Religious Catalog. For more, visit EWTNRC.com today. 18 past. Here's Anna with headlines. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has arrived in Israel and is expected to push for humanitarian pauses in the Israeli war against Hamas. Pope Francis this week continued his condemnation of war around the world and particularly the war in the Holy Land and the Patriarchate of Jerusalem released a statement this week condemning a recent strike in Gaza. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Anna Mitchell, they say if you pray to St. Therese, she may send you a rose. And uh, I've got countless stories in regard to that. But Mm -hmm. I talked to, and and you and I have discussed this on the air before, a priest from Alabama who once told me that a seminary friend of his said that if you pray to St. Martin, he'll send you a rat. And he had a couple of different stories of how... (laughs) He'd ask St. Martin for help, and next thing you know, there's like a rat in the rectory, and then like the problem gets solved or something. It's so funny because ever since hearing that, um, whenever I, I don't remember when you first shared it, it'd been like three years, maybe. Yeah. So um, when I have about a, I don't know, about a 15 minute commute into work in the morning, and I use, not much traffic, not much traffic in the morning, um, and I use that time to pray the rosary in the car, and so. I'm just, you know, sitting at a traffic light in downtown Cincinnati waiting so that I can get into work, praying my rosary, minding my own business. And I kind of look to the left. This is yesterday. Kind of look over to my left and I see a rat scurry to the garbage can that was on the corner of the street. And I thought about St. Martin and the intentions that I was praying for in that moment. And then I get into work and later in the morning, you're doing your promo for today's show, and you're like, "We'll be celebrating the feast of Saint Martin de Porres." And you had forgotten that it I was had this week. Completely forgotten that his feast you day had was today. He gets lost in that All Saints, All yeah, Souls. Yeah, I was thinking shuffle. about All Souls and my mom's birthday, and you know. And there's Saint Martin and there sending was you Saint a Martin. reminder rat. Yeah, it's perfect. A reminder rat. Saint Martin, pray for us. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith when Father Jonathan Meyer will discuss Mass with the poor souls in purgatory. Father Paul Hedman will share ways to grow in family prayer. I'll reflect on the readings for the 31st Sunday of the year, plus frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. For Catholics, being united with God for eternity is the goal of earthly life. A Catholic cemetery is sacred because it holds our bodies, once temples of the Holy Spirit, until the Lord comes again. The Archdiocese of Cincinnati has consecrated Gate of Heaven Catholic Cemetery to provide this ministry and remind us that life is not ended, but changed. Today, you can ensure that you and your loved ones are interred in accordance with your faith. Call 513-489-0300 or visit gateofheaven.org. Looking for a special gift for a loved one this holiday season? Consider an offering of rest, prayer, and a time for reflection. 
give the gift of a weekend retreat at the Jesuit Spiritual Center, a time to get away from the busyness of life and embrace God's love and mercy. Call now at 513-248-3500 for more information. That's 513-248-3500, For over 50 years, the St. Martin District of St. Vincent de Paul has been providing food, clothing, rent, and utility assistance to people in six counties of Southern Ohio. You can join the St. Martin District of St. Vincent de Paul in helping our neighbors with a monetary or vehicle donation, which is simple and easy. 800-322-8284 or donate online at runforthepoor.org. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Bill Schmidt from Onward.net. That's O-N-W-O-R-D.net. He's a veteran communications professional who's got a lot of thoughts on how we think about each other, society, how we write about it, and how we process information as a result. Bill, good morning. Good morning, Matt. All right, so uh, we are talking a little bit about generational divides. Now, just for full disclosure, I'm Generation X. I'm at the tail end of it. Right when they started assigning letters to generations, which I thought that's not a good idea to start with X. We're going to be cycling all through the rest of the alphabet very quickly. <laughs> uh, but, um, but you sort of broken down how these different generations think of things. If you could, like, what's the top level summary of like the basic stuff on the generations? There's obviously a lot, though. Well, there are four generations that are, that you might say are on center stage in our uh, public square. Uh, One of them is my uh, group, uh, my cohort, the Baby Boom. And uh, we've started out as, and to some degree, continue to be dreamers, although uh, we've done a good job of uh, changing the dream in midstream, from uh, being the love generation to the more uh, pragmatic and uh, wealth-oriented generation. Uh, then there's Generation X, you guys, uh, the uh, entrepreneurial uh, people, individualistic. And, of course, by the way, as I speak of this, uh, let me assure you that I know these are all generalizations. <laughs> of course. Of course. Everybody's <laughs> good. Everybody breaks the mold a little bit, but yes. Exactly. And then um, uh, the millennials are really uh, there. Let's see. What is their age group? It's kind of the... Um, uh, born 1981 to 1996, and they really grew up in uh, a, a world of anxiety, a kind of a sense of precariousness. 9-11 occurred, and uh, they've become caring as a result of that, but uh, very much on the emotional side. And then Generation Z is the one that's kind of in the news these days. They're the teens and the 20s, in, the, in their 20s, and they are uh, sensitive and empathetic, and they want to get involved, and they want to find meaning in their life. But uh, the other generations, whose job it is to uh, work with the other generations and to help the learning and teaching throughout, uh, we haven't left them with too much hope. And uh, they don't see a happy America. They don't see a happy world. And so we've got uh, a lot of emotions driving right now, we see with Israel Gaza, uh, we uh, we see a lot of hatred and a lot of emotion pouring out. 
We certainly do. And it's interesting because, uh, you know, I, I sometimes joke that as a as a Gen Xer, I get to criticize both the uh, mistakes of the baby boomers and the, you know, the the foolishness of the millennials. But now we've got the Gen Zs That's and right. like, the people coming after them. And so I'm running out of <laughs> running out of arguments. <laughs> You know, <laughs> that's really uh, good because we have to be compassionate toward each other. Well, when it comes to this, I mean, there's all kinds of implications uh, to this. Uh, we are products of our time, but we're also part of a church that transcends every country and generation. So, yeah, you know, how have you been thinking about, you know, how all these people ideally ought to be part of the same church, right? We all ought to be part of. I mean, if you go to a church and you're missing one of these generations, you have failed somehow, right? So, like, that's right. Uh, how do we? How do we maybe process? A, uh, you know, how we should be involved with one another, and how does the church help us do that? Well, that's a very good point, and there's no better intergenerational family than your typical but healthy uh, uh, Catholic parish and we all have to uh, work toward work toward that and um uh, where generation z is looking for faith and uh apparently at least according to another recent uh, book other than the generational theory book i've read that this the other book is called the great de-churching it says that people started detaching from regular religious practice uh, in the late 80s through the late 90s. And so we're, in a sense, we're running a great social experiment where, uh, you know, how does a society get along and spawn new generations while rejecting God and rejecting religion, which is the through line? That, that's, that's what establishes our uh, frame of reference, our ability and interest in um, re- faith and reason, the stabilizing force. Well, if you think about it, uh, with the dissolution, I mean, if you were to follow marriage trends through those generations, it's it's all going down. You follow faith trends, yeah. it's all going down. You follow, um, you know, number of children that people are having, that's all going down. And so, you know, if you don't connect all those things together, there's a lot less likelihood there's going to be future <laughs> generations. It's just kind of like... <laughs> You know, how do you make generations like you need those things? Because if you don't have any hope, like, why are you having babies? Right. I mean, this is that, these are big questions yeah. that we got to wrestle with. Yeah, they call it liquid modernity now, where we're kind of swamped with um, waves of change almost every day. And one thing that's managed to do is distract us from thinking about the future, thinking about our kids, uh, thinking about what uh, what uh, world we're going to leave them. And, of course, um, the sacraments of the Church are one way that really reminds us to do that in a structured way. But a lot of people are approaching modernity without too much structure, and we need to pray for that. Yeah, we need to pray that our churches be these anchor points uh, amid the sea of modernity and change, and that they bring together all these generations because the media wants us to all pick on one another all day long, right? <laughs> it's just like, exactly. you know, it's a way Whereas to sell stuff to and get clicks, um, but we're meant right. to be all part of the same uh, church family. Good stuff. Uh, Bill yes. Schmidt, we've got onward.net. That's O-N-W-O-R-D.net, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. You've got a breakdown of some of these generational characteristics. Yeah. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Matt. Half past the hour, here's Anna Mitchell with news. 
Good morning. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has arrived in Israel. He's expected to push for humanitarian pauses in the Israeli war against Hamas and for the Israeli government to protect more civilians in the Gaza Strip. He's also expected to discuss how Gaza could be administered once the war is over and if a two-state solution could still be possible. Before leaving yesterday, Blinken told reporters that Palestinian civilians continue to bear the brunt of this war and that the U.S. is committed to making sure everything possible is done to protect civilians. Around 400 Americans have been approved to leave the Gaza Strip through the border crossing with Egypt. Mark Mayfield has more. They began evacuating Wednesday afternoon. President Biden says over 70 Americans so far have been able to leave war-torn Gaza and more are expected to evacuate in the coming days. At least 300 foreign citizens were able to leave Wednesday as Israeli airstrikes continued in the region. Thousands have been killed in the densely populated Gaza Strip since fighting began on October the 7th with deadly attacks that were launched by Hamas. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Patriarchate of Jerusalem this week issued a statement condemning a recent strike in Gaza. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Luboff reports. The Patriarchate of Jerusalem issued a statement on the 31st of October condemning the Israeli military's bombardment of the Orthodox Cultural Center in the Tel al-Hawa neighborhood of Gaza. In the statement, the Patriarchate emphasized that this attack represented a stark embodiment of Israel's unwarranted determination to destroy the civil infrastructure and social service centers, as well as shelters for civilians trapped in the besieged enclave. The Patriarchate highlights that the social, cultural, and sports centers have become vital providers of essential humanitarian services and safe havens for those affected by Israeli airstrikes targeting residential areas, the statement read. The Patriarchate further expressed that this assault on the Orthodox Cultural Center and its service facilities constituted a direct and unjustified attack on one of the pillars of culture and social services in Gaza. The Patriarchate also noted with grave concern that the Israeli military had targeted 19 places of worship, including mosques and churches in Gaza. Such attacks on civilians, particularly children, and the deliberate destruction of civilian infrastructure, it said, cannot be justified on rational or humanitarian grounds and are fundamentally at odds with even the most basic moral values. The Patriarchate reiterated its firm demand for an immediate and comprehensive ceasefire in the Gaza Strip and pledged to continue its international efforts to achieve this goal and to continue its international efforts to achieve this goal as soon as possible. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. Cardinal Timothy Dolan, who chairs the U.S. Bishops Committee on Religious Liberty, has released a statement speaking out against the increased religious hatred in the United States in the wake of this war in the Holy Land. Cardinal Dolan said, quote, hating your neighbors is a grave sin against God who created us all in his image and likeness. Violence only begets more violence, not justice, he said, May those whose hearts have been gripped by hatred repent, and may people of goodwill stand courageously for peace. The Alabama Supreme Court is allowing state officials to move forward with the first execution in the United States by nitrogen gas. The state attorney general had asked the court last August if it could proceed with gassing 58-year-old Kenneth Smith. Smith is on death row for the 1988 murder for hire of an Alabama woman. He survived a lethal injection last year after the executioner had trouble inserting an IV into his veins. On Wednesday, the Alabama Supreme Court issued an order calling for his execution to proceed. He will be executed using a face mask 
connected to a cylinder of nitrogen. The Biden administration is hammering Russia with sweeping new sanctions over the war in Ukraine. The sanctions announced yesterday target Russia's future energy capabilities, sanctions evasion, and a suicide drone that has menaced Ukrainian troops and equipment. The sanctions are being imposed on hundreds of people and entities. And jurors have found FTX founder Sam Bankman freed guilty on seven federal counts of fraud and conspiracy. Nearly 20 witnesses testified over a month-long period on the cryptocurrency exchange founder's case. Bankman freed faces more than 100 years in prison. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's now 35 minutes past the hour. The When you click subscribe at sacredheartradio.com, you get our show notes in your inbox with links to everything featured on the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith. To know when your favorite guests are on, go to sacredheartradio.com and click subscribe. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Water heaters, plumbing repair, and drain cleaning backed by Schneller Knockelman's 100% satisfaction guarantee. Schneller Knockelman at skpha.com. skpha.com. Food makes the party. And you can find the perfect party foods at Bridgetown Finer Meats, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. From mini sandwiches to their jumbo pretzel sandwich, meat and cheese or vegetable and relish trays, Bridgetown Finer Meats can make hosting a party a breeze. And choose your wine while you're there. The BFM Wine Shop has high-quality wines from all over the world. Bridgetown Finer Meats on Bridgetown Road, 513-574-3100, on the web at bridgetownfinermeats.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this feast of St. Martin de Porres, Friday, November the 3rd. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air, online at skpha.com. Getting warmer today. Right now it's kind of chilly, though, with temperatures in the lower 40s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, mostly sunny skies today with a high of 59 degrees. Partly to mostly cloudy tonight. Slight chance for some rain and an overnight low of 41. Mostly cloudy with another slight rain chance tomorrow and a high of 62 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, sunny start to the day, then increasing afternoon clouds and a high of 59 Mostly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 43. Mix of clouds and sun tomorrow with a slight chance for a sprinkle and a high tomorrow of 62 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swain, joined now by Anna Mitchell, who got a rat. For Martin Tide. Martin Tide, yeah. Is that what, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the vigil of Tide. Martin. The, uh, yeah, it was the week of St. Martin. But, uh, Saint you Martin. know, St. Martin de Porras, just to give you a little rundown, uh, there's so much fascinating stuff to be said about him. Of course, he's a Dominican, mm-hmm. uh, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, happy feast day to all the Dominicans out there. Indeed. Uh, actually, it's also uh, Black Catholic History Month, mm-hmm. uh, the month of November, which people yes. may... You know, I've missed in all the All Saints Day and everything else that was going on. Uh, but this is Black Black Catholic History Month. <clears throat> of course, Martin de Porres is, uh, you know, of mixed race uh, from Peru. He's actually, uh, interestingly enough, I don't know if you saw this a few years ago. He's one of a very few historical figures um, 
for whom this has been done. A few years ago, a group tried to do a 3D digital reconstruction of his face oh, yeah. based on his skull. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's interesting is if you look at the 3D reconstruction and then you go back and look at paintings from him at the time, it's uh, it's pretty uh, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. So yes, um, indeed. If you go to the National Shrine, he's one of the saints with ties to the Americas that's featured in the Trinity Dome, the mm-hmm. National Shrine uh, uh, in D.C. Um, but he was born in the lowest class of Peruvian society. Uh, he was known to beg for candle stubs so he could light them for his evening prayers before a crucifix. Um, that's He was doing that from the time he was just a little kid. Uh, and, you know, developed this reputation for, for holiness, um, was even sort of kicked around by some of the Dominicans of his day, uh, but took menial work, menial jobs, did them joyfully, uh, sometimes known as the saint of the broom um, because of his heart for service, uh, his love for animals as well, and that brings in the rat story uh, also. Um, interestingly enough, uh, he was canonized in 1962, uh, becoming the first black saint from the Americas. That was a year before another Martin, namely Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., delivered his I Have a Dream speech. Wow. So he was canonized one year um, before that, before the other Martin. It is incredible to think about the part of his story and and to recognize that the church was not immune from these racial issues those in the church. I mean, the church itself, herself, upholds the inherent dignity of every every human being, no matter what circumstances in which they were born, no matter what race or culture they come from. Um, But there are human beings in the church, and even St. Martin de Porres um, faced discrimination from the Dominicans initially. Um, was not allowed. He wanted to to come and and join the the friary, and was not allowed to be a professed religious for a number of years until uh, because. And this is where you know sometimes you you see people otherwise of goodwill kind of hiding behind the law, and it was the law at the time that uh, people in his class, this you were mentioning, he was the son of a freed slave and was of mixed race, and because of that um, was barred by law from becoming a professed religious. And it took, I think, almost 10 years of him being allowed to live in the friary before he was actually allowed to be a professed religious. But what I love about his story is that in spite of that, God still worked through him in miraculous, miraculous ways. He really did. Uh, And, you know, St. Martin is just a saint of, of great humility and great charity and such a great model for so many so many people uh, for so many reasons. Um, you know, I, I got another rat story. I forgot that this one happened last year. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's actually a Tell couple me. years ago. Um, Bring it on, is, Matt. <laughs> this is not, not mine. Uh, Aaron McColl Cup, who has written some stuff for Our Sunday Visitor. Uh, and, well, she saw me post a couple years ago about the St. Martin bring you mm-hmm. a rat thing. And she said, I'd never heard of this until you tweeted it out. So she brought a prayer request to St. Martin uh, and had no idea how in the world she would be sent a rat. But then that very day, she was looking 
<laughs> looking on her Facebook page, and there was this post by the Humane League of Lancaster County. Oh, boy. Saying <laughs> the, someone had said they found this lost fancy rat, uh, and they're looking for the owner. Uh, and they'll need some proof of ownership, blah, blah, blah. But there's the picture of the rat, and the rat um, has a brown face and a full white body. Like, oh, as you've got to be kidding I'm me. not kidding. Like, St. Martin himself, who had the white Dominican habit but was himself an African-American, like a, a you know, a mixed-race slave, uh, you know, offspring. Wow. Like, this is – so it, You can't it, make it can that happen. stuff up. You can't make that up. The veil is so thin. Really I talk is. about this all the time. St. Martin is involved. This is when we know, and and this is something is one of my hobby horses. When we know how God operated in the past, we can better recognize how he is operating today. And because we are made in his image and after his likeness and the saints in particular, these incredible saints like St. Martin de Porres, who embraced that image of God in which he was made um, even more fully than your average Catholic Christian, um, you can say the same thing. When you see how saints have operated in the past, you can better recognize how they are operating in our lives today. And when you start to learn these stories and these people become your friends, and you remember them, it'll be instances like that where you think, wow, the veil is so thin. They are here among us, and they are working, whether we recognize it or not. But it is so cool when you recognize it. I mean, this is... The world is full of... Of of the it's charged with the grandeur of God, right? As yes. Hopkins would say. Yes. Uh, and as C.S. Lewis said, that that the world is sort of overflowing with God, and every bush, if we had the eyes to see it, is a burning bush. Um, yeah. But I, by the way, Anna Mitchell, I went and I uh, I found that that post from Aaron from a couple years ago with the Saint Martin rat, and I retweeted it. So if you want to go see, oh, it, you think I'm joking about like that's so funny. this rat that's like. I don't know how you can explain it by anything else other than it being clearly sent by St. Martin. <laughs> once, you see, yeah. once you see this rat, you're like, oh, well, well that's pretty crazy and cool. Well, so. what I can't wait for is I want to know if St. Martin had has some aim at why he was reminding me of him yesterday. Like, this is what's going to be super cool. I mean, maybe it was just like he just wanted me to remember so that we could talk about him today. Day. And and I'm perfectly okay with that, but it's going to be fun to see if um, if any of my intentions, you know, get resolved because yeah. of this. I mean, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna get all superstitious about it, but no, I mean, just a little stitious. No, no, just stitious a little at all. stitious. Yeah, no just stitious a little at all. Stitious. But I, I will say this: like, uh, you know, between Saint Martin and November and Saint Therese at the beginning of October, you know, mm-hmm. you got some saints who are very busy. Very, yeah. very busy. Very busy. St. Saint, Saint Therese sent me some spiders this year. Ooh. I know she sends a lot of people roses, but uh, <laughs> she sent me a couple spiders. Oh, I'm just looking at And that's a fascinating story within itself. Picture. Oh, my gosh. You see it? You see it? Oh, my gosh. That's It's like unreal. got the brown face and the full white body. Like, it's like, come on. That is. Clearly St. Martin at work. St. Martin. I love him. I do, too. He's become one of my favorites. He's one of those guys that, you know, 
you're just you just have to sit back in awe at the humility that someone like St. Martin de Porres models. He's the kind us. of person I think of when I think of like who's got like priority seating in the kingdom of heaven. Oh man. It's people like him who had yeah. like you know got kicked around in this life and now they're they're feeling the reward. Julia so. Greeley's another one like that. There are many. Same. Yeah. There are many. Another great one for Black Catholic History Month. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll look ahead to the Sunday Mass readings coming up next with Father Jonathan Duncan. It's 14 till. Do you feel as though life is flying past you? Are you desperate for a way to find moments of peace and quiet? Lord, teach me to pray. The free Ignatian Prayer Series will open your heart to His voice, to the peace you're seeking, and the only love that fulfills the human heart, Jesus. God is calling you to true joy, knowing Jesus personally. Lord, Teach Me to Pray is free. Just go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red box. That's lordteachmetopray.com. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. It's the season of chunky soup and chunky sweaters, which means it's also pumpkin coffee season. And the Mystic Monks have their pumpkin spice blend in stock and ready for you to enjoy. And when you go to the Monks through sunrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on any flavor coffee or tea that you buy. Why shell out five bucks for a tall PSL when you can customize your own at home and drink it from a Sunrise Morning Show mug that you can find in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sunrisemorningshow.com. Dive deeper into your faith as renowned speakers examine pressing issues facing Catholics today. EWTN takes you to Napa, California for a special two-day event. Oh, God has His way. God has His providence. The whole point of the Christian life is love. Love of God and the love of everybody. The annual Napa Institute Conference, beginning Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern on EWTN-TV. It is 12 till on this Feast of St. Martin de Porus. Pray for us. One of my personal favorites in the communion of saints. We're joined now by Father Jonathan Duncan from the Diocese of Charleston to take a look at the Sunday Mass readings. Father Duncan, good morning. Good to be with you, Matt. So uh, there's a bunch of reasons I, I would not want to be a priest. First of all, it's not the vocation <laughs> to which I am not, I'm called. I've been called to a different one, but I definitely wouldn't want to be sitting in the presider's chair when someone reads the first reading from Malachi this weekend, nor would I want to have to read from Matthew 23 myself if I was a priest this weekend. So there's some squirm lines in here for anybody who is in that yeah, position of, uh, of Christian authority this weekend. You know, I think it's it's a it's a constant um, reminder. I think it's in, in James' epistle where he warns against those who would who would presume to be teachers, who would presume to take on uh, authority uh, in the name of Christ, um, you know, that, that should be a sober warning uh, for all of us, for all teachers of the faith, for certainly for priests, uh, yeah. that we will be answerable uh, both for what we taught and for how we lived. Um, 
you know, the, the words of the Lord Jesus. You know, these, these scribes and Pharisees, they sit on Moses' seat. In other words, uh, they, they bear the authority um, of teacher in the synagogue, but they preach, but they do not practice. They do not live in, in accordance with their own teaching. Uh, and, of course, it's ultimately manifested in their rejection of the Lord Jesus. But certainly it's, um, it, it's a constant corrective to us, um, to those of us who would, who would lead and seek to teach. And, and in the age of, of the Church and scandals and abuse, uh, we need to constantly be holding that uh, in front of us and in front of our leaders as well. Well, you know, with that in mind, it helps make more sense of something that is often kind of like a gotcha line that fundamentalists use, you know, against Catholics, uh, which we hear in Matthew 23. Uh, you know, I think that some of them would be surprised to hear that we read this publicly at Mass. <laughs> but it says, sure. you know, call no man father. You have but one father in heaven. Do not be called master. You have one master, the Christ. Uh, even though, Father Duncan, you are a priest with authority uh, of ordination to, you know, to engage in the sacraments, uh, even though, you know, you're bishop, right? And uh, the Holy Father, even though these these all have, like, authority within the realms that it's been granted to them, like, none of that comes from anywhere except for the first place, which is from God himself. I mean, that's where it all comes from. It's not objectified and just placed onto you as though you can walk around as your own Lord of Charleston. Absolutely. You know, uh... The Lord God is our uh, Father, is our teacher, is our master, and that is um, that has to be in front of us always. And when we lose sight of that, uh, that does open the door uh, to all sorts of things, to careerism, uh, corruption, clericalism, abuse, all of those things, all of the, these things uh, which, um, which Pope Francis, you know, the, the Holy Father, um, has has rightly pointed out, when we lose sight of the fact uh, that, that ultimately we have been given this commission from the Father through the Son. And, of course, you know, St. Paul understood that God the Father is the, is the source. In fact, he even has that, that beautiful line, you know, the Father from whom all fatherhood comes, uh, which is why he was able to say, uh, in 1 Corinthians 4, I have become to the church in Corinth your father through the gospel, because he knew that all fatherhood uh, finds its origin in the Father, um, which means that when we seek to take up uh, that title of father or teacher, which we find throughout the New Testament, or uh, bishop, you know, when Peter talks about you know himself as, uh, as, as a bishop, as, and he points back to uh, the true bishop of our souls, the Lord Jesus. So all of these things point to a greater reality, and our vocation is to constantly be pointing to him, just like him. You know, we just celebrated All Saints Day, of course. And the saints, their, their ultimate holiness was in that they were constantly pointing to Christ, constantly directing their gaze towards him, constantly putting the focus back on him, putting the attention back on him. Uh, Our Lady, you know, do whatever he tells you, um, constantly pointing back to him as the source. And when we lose sight of that and when we begin to focus on ourselves, then uh, that's where we become unworthy of these titles of affection that the Church has developed uh, over time, grounded in in the example of Paul. And, of course, we see that the, the real problem with 
the problem for clergy and laity alike is pride. So we get that, you know, at the very climax of this Sunday's gospel, it's about humility and pride. I tell folks often, you know, the problem with the scribes and Pharisees is that they saw the world divided into two camps, which it is, but they saw the camps as uh, sinners and righteous, the good and the bad. And where they messed up is that they didn't realize that the real division is between the humble and the proud, between those who know they are sinners and acknowledge it and seek mercy and show mercy, and those who presume that they don't need mercy. Um, And because of their pride, as the scribes and Pharisees, um, they are, in fact, closed off to the very mercy that they're also denying to others. Um, there are only two, there are only two who came down from heaven. One was cast down because of pride, and one came down from heaven for us men and for our salvation out of humility. And it's important to keep that in front of us, clergy and lay alike. Can I steal that? Because that's good Absolutely. stuff. <laughs> Only two who who came out of heaven, right? Uh, the one whose pride cast him down and the one whose humility brought him to us. What a great thought to take into the weekend. And, you know, what a great thing to remind ourselves of. Because, you know, if there if there's one thing i got to stay on guard constantly about, it's, you know, the the whole media docket of things saying, look at this horrible thing this other person did. Look at these stupid people who are running your country and your church. And look at all these dumb things that your friends are misspelling on Facebook. You know, if only they understood how the world works as well as you did, right? (laughs) There's, There's just so many appeals to our pride. And I can spend so much time thinking about how much better I am than the people I'm reading about that I can forget to work on my own virtue and my own examination of conscience altogether. Absolutely. And when we start with ourselves and and removing the beam from our own eye and dealing with our own spiritual struggles, it doesn't mean that there aren't going to be moments where we need to correct uh, our our brethren. You know, we know that will be the case. The Lord Jesus just says we need to deal with our own spiritual house first so that we're able to rightly intervene in those moments where we do need to correct each other so that by God we'll be doing it not from a place of pride, but from a place of real compassion and brotherly love. Um, and that's that's what the communion of the church should be about. Yeah, a bunch of sinners who've experienced mercy trying to figure out how to extend that net of mercy wider. Absolutely. Uh, so great stuff, Father Jonathan Duncan. Have a great day. That wraps it up on a Friday, this Feast of St. Martin de Porras. Pray for us. We'll be back again on a Monday. Have a great weekend. And... In the meantime, on behalf of all of us here at the Sunrise Morning Show, Anna Mitchell, Paul Lachman, Travis, and all of our guests, may God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Ryan Lopez here. You know, making a positive impact on the world starts with making a difference in your local community. Every day, thousands of people invite Sacred Heart Radio into their homes, cars, and places of work. And because of this, they can go out into their communities, strengthened by the gospel message and ready to spread the love of God. This is all made possible because of the generous support of listeners like you. And if you want to make a difference locally to change the world globally, visit sacredheartradio.com and click donate. Thank you. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rua Wood Psychological Services, integrating psychological science and the truths of our Catholic faith with offices in Dayton and Cincinnati. More information at 513-407-8878 or rwpsych.org. 
Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirm. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Stegman Landscape. Serving the tri-state since 1979, Stegman Landscape can create a picture-perfect landscape all year long. From design, installation, and maintenance to retaining walls, patios, and outdoor fireplaces to enjoy any season, Stegman Landscape can do it all. Stegman Landscape, making the world more beautiful one yard at a time. 859-781-1562 and online at stegmanlandscape.com. Born from the heart of St. Daniel Comboni, the Comboni missionaries have served the poorest and most abandoned people in the world for more than 150 years. The Combonis improve quality of life with resources like food, clean water, and medicine. They provide vital education in schools and spiritually minister through the sacraments, all while preparing local Christian leaders to serve their people now and in the future. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. This is Father Benedict Kensler, pastor of Our Lady of Victory in Delhi. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Arise, it's a new Continue on this Friday, the 3rd of November, by praying together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray for those who feel hopelessly trapped by the habits of sin. Grant them forgiveness and peace. We pray for those who fear your anger. Show them also your love. We pray for those who delay examining their decisions and habits. Let them see how quickly life passes. Gracious and merciful God, you heard the groans of a world that labors under the weight of sin. And you sent your only son to lift its burden from humanity's shoulders by taking it upon his own. Hear the prayers of sinners and the victims of sin and deliver us by the power of his cross. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Since it is his feast today, St. Martin de Porras, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Glad you're along here on a Friday. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And up this hour, uh, we're going to check in with Joseph Pierce. More thoughts on English Catholic history. Sue Leibel will be along uh, from the Susan B. Anthony list to talk about issue one in Ohio, which is right around the corner. 
Father John Gavin will be along to look at more of the thoughts of the Church Fathers and the Catechism. Also, Father Hezekiah Carnazzo to give his take on the Sunday Mass readings as we head into the 31st Sunday of Ordinary Time. Right now, it is two minutes past the hour. News of service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is in Israel and expected to push for humanitarian pauses in the war in the Holy Land and pushing for the Israeli government to protect more civilians in the Gaza Strip. He's also expected to discuss how Gaza will be administered once the war is over and if a two-state solution would still be possible. Before leaving yesterday, Blinken told reporters that Palestinian civilians continue to bear the brunt of the Israel-Hamas war and that the U.S. is, quote, committed to making sure everything possible is done to protect civilians, end quote. Meanwhile, in Washington, the House is passing a bill to give more than $14 billion in aid to Israel in the war against Hamas. Brian Shook reports. The bill will now head to the Senate in an early test for new Speaker Mike Johnson. The House GOP bill was called deeply flawed by Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, who says the Senate will not take it up. Democrats do not like the fact that the bill does not also provide aid to Ukraine, as well as the fact it cuts funding to the IRS. I'm Brian Shook. Pope Francis this week continued his condemnation of war around the world, and particularly this war in the Holy Land. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells reports. In his interview on Italian state broadcaster Rai Uno, Pope Francis repeated emphatically, every war is a defeat. Nothing is solved with war. Nothing. Everything is gained with peace, with dialogue. The Pope was speaking specifically in response to a question about the current situation in the Middle East, and especially the situation in Gaza and Israel, and lamented the current war as one more in a long line of defeats, going back to the end of the Second World War. Wars have not stopped, he said, while placing the blame in large part on the arms industries that profit off of violence. Turning back to the situation in Israel and Palestine, the Pope said he speaks every day with religious in Gaza. I called the Egyptian assistant priest, Father Yusuf, every day, he said. The Catholic parish in Gaza is currently hosting more than 560 people, mostly Christians, but also some Muslims, as well as numerous sick children who are cared for by the missionaries of charity. Every day I try to accompany them, the Pope said, adding, for the moment, thank God, the Israeli forces respect the parish. In his interview, the Pope also condemned anti-Semitism, which he said sometimes remains hidden, but unfortunately has not gone away. I can't explain it. I have no explanation, he said, but it's a fact that I see it and I don't like it. Asked about the possibility of global escalation, Pope Francis warned that it would be the end of many things and many lives. But he said, I think human wisdom will stop these things. And while remembering the war in the Holy Land, Pope Francis also drew attention to conflicts in Ukraine, Kivu, Yemen, Myanmar, and other places throughout the world. The world is at war, the Pope said, but the arms industry is behind it. I'm Christopher Wells. Cardinal Timothy Dolan, who chairs the U.S. Bishops Committee on Religious Liberty, has released a statement this week speaking out against hatred that has increased in the United States in the wake of the Hamas attacks on Israel and Israel's subsequent retaliation. Cardinal Dolan said, quote, hating your neighbors is a grave sin against God who created us all in his image and his likeness. Violence only begets more violence, not justice.
The Biden administration is hammering Russia with sweeping new sanctions over the war in Ukraine. The sanctions announced yesterday target Russia's future energy capabilities, sanctions evasion, and a suicide drone that has menaced Ukrainian troops and equipment. The sanctions are being imposed on hundreds of people and entities. The U.S. Supreme Court is being asked to weigh in on the private social media accounts of public officials. Brian Shuck reports. Two apparently conflicting lower rulings went before the justices this week. One from California is an appeal from two San Diego area school board members who were sued for violating the free speech rights of two parents who were blocked on Facebook and Twitter. Federal courts sided with the parents saying the First Amendment bars officials from such action if the board members use their personal pages for public business. In a Michigan case, the Sixth Circuit ruled a city manager's Facebook page was his personal account and was not part of his job or official duties. I'm Brian Shook. 8.06 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. He's going to be on Driving Home the Faith this afternoon, I believe. Is that right, Paul? Uh, who? Dr. Robert Berger. Yeah, Dr. Robert Berger. Yeah, I was sitting here thinking about Joseph Pierce because I just got done talking to him. But yes, absolutely, Dr. Robert Berger. Yeah. Uh, I'll be talking to him. Uh, so uh, you definitely want to get to hear that. You caught me off guard with I'm that. Sorry. No, I appreciate the plug. That's awesome. How about uh, some football news? Uh, the Steelers picked up a, a big win last night in, to start off week nine of the NFL season with a 20 to 16 win over the Titans. The uh, Tennessee Titans dropped to 3 and 5. That is an 0 and 4 record on the road as well. Steelers improved to 5 and 3. Got a lot of good football this week. Uh, Sunday's action starts uh with the Dolphins facing the Chiefs at 9:30 in the morning, so just be aware of that. How about uh, some football today? Division 1, Region 4, second round Ohio High School Region quarterfinals. Matchup six seeded Elder Panthers travel to face the Lakota West Firebirds. Ooh. Pre-game can be heard right here, six thirty. Kickoff at seven o'clock. Catch all the action right here on Sacred Heart Radio. Thanks to the guys over at Prep Sports Radio Network, and uh, of course, uh, just be ready. Cincinnati Bengals play Sunday night football, but as for Monday night football, I believe Joseph Pierce, you. Uh, your Chelsea Blues, or whatever we'd like to call them, they play Monday Night Football against the best team in the league. Is that right? Uh, yes, they do. The team that currently top in the league, Tottenham Hotspur, local London rivals. Um, and I'm not very confident. We've had a bit of a, a topsy-turvy <laughs> season. We just get a, a run of good form, and then, and then we blow it again. We've got lots of youngsters, so perhaps there's hope for the future. But I don't have a great deal of hope for Monday night, I must confess. So if you're going to pull the upset, uh, what do the youngsters got to do? Is it uh, it's got to be a higher scoring game or just one of those one nil you pull it out late? No, I think this this game is going to be so uh, um, highly warped because it's a local derby, top of the top of the league. No, I think there'll be a fast flowing game. I think there'll be goals, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make a wild prediction. Uh, it's also wildly optimistic and completely untrue, but uh, uh, just because I'm feeling. Uh, reckless. I, I think Chelsea will win 3-2. Ooh. <laughs> See, this is why I'm glad I bring it up, you know? 
You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. Well, we, we'll keep uh, Joseph on the line, see what else he's got to say, uh, especially on a Friday, feeling wild. Let's get the traffic. Traffic and service of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet, Buick, and GMC in Eaton, Ohio. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. Take it away, Anna Mitchell. One major problem to report right now. Three lanes blocked. The right three lanes blocked of southbound 75 at Sharon Road. You are stacked up back past Union Center almost to Cincinnati Dayton Road. So there's not really an easy way to get away from this. But if you can redirect your route, that would be a good idea. The traffic map says it's about an hour delay at this point. Uh, in the Dayton area, northbound 75 at Benchwood, there is an accident. It's on the shoulder, but you are definitely clogged up back toward Wagner Ford with this one. Won't be an hour delay for you, but maybe a few extra minutes. Now, for weather, mostly sunny skies and warmer today in Cincinnati with a high of 59 degrees. Partly to mostly cloudy tonight. Slight chance for some rain and an overnight low of 41. Mostly cloudy with a slight rain chance tomorrow. And even warmer, a high of 62. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, sunny start today, then increasing clouds this afternoon, a high of 59. Mostly cloudy tonight with an overnight low around 43. Mix of clouds and sun tomorrow with a low chance of a morning sprinkle and a high of 62 degrees. Today is Friday, November the 3rd. It is the Feast of St. Martin de Porres. Matt, I've been thinking we need to compose a prayer similar to the one that's prayed to St. Therese, you know, like, send me a rose kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Send me a rat. Send me a rat. It's got to be done. I don't think there is. Well, I haven't actually, I haven't actually looked to see if anybody has written a prayer like this to St. Martin, but it needs to be written if it hasn't been yet. St. Martin, St. Martin, wherever you're at in the heavenly regions, please send me a rat. Ooh, Matt. I just spitball in there. You're such a poet. I didn't even I wonder what have Joseph, any realization of that. Joseph, thought. you got any thoughts on that? I, it, la- it lacks alliteration. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to make it into Poems Every Catholic Should Know, Volume 2. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> the Sunrise Morning Show continues, and Joseph Pierce is, of course, a visiting professor of literature at Ave Maria University, a visiting fellow of Thomas More College of Liberal Arts. He's got stuff with the Augustine Institute, St. Austin Review. You can go to jpierce.co and find all kinds of great things. Joseph, good morning. Good morning, Matt. All right. So if you think American politics is bewildering, and it is, uh, following the back and forth in English history under revolutionary circumstances can be even more bewildering. But with the case of Queen Mary Tudor, if you could, like, what were the f- the facts, the, the circumstances surrounding how she came to be recognized as queen? Yeah, well, basically, she was quite clearly the legitimate uh, heir to the throne. Nobody uh, seriously disputed that. But there were many people in England that did not want a Catholic monarch returning to the throne after Henry VIII uh, had uh, basically broken with with the church. And so there were shenanigans, I suppose you could call it. And there was a a means by getting the, the ailing king shortly before his death, the young King Edward VI, to, to, to write a will which, which made uh, Lady Jane Grey on very tenuous grounds the heir to the throne. So it's, it's what you would probably call in modern terminology an attempt at a, at a coup which, which failed because uh, the vast majority of the people 
uh, knew that Mary Tudor was the true queen and also wanted her as queen. Well, and not only that, she represented uh, a return to Catholicism for the kingdom, how, how, however briefly. But, I mean, how did Catholic England respond when Mary is crowned? Well, I mean, it, 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 it was absolute jubilation. Um, and uh, the, the, we need to remember, only three years earlier, that, that basically the whole of England had risen, uh, uh, well, upright, and of course, the whole of England after Edward VI uh, regime had banned the Mass. Uh, and when the Mass was banned, on the day after the Sunday when Mass was banned, there were uprisings across the length and breadth of the country. The English were a very devout Catholic country at, the, at, at that time. It was estimated that only about 12% of the population were Protestant, which means 88% were Catholic. So obviously she was a very popular queen, and, and when she rode from the, the house in Suffolk where she was imprisoned, the Framlingham Castle, uh, where she was imprisoned to London, it was it was it was a triumphal march basically with people coming out in the streets. The streets of London being decorated, uh, it was absolute jubilation. The people wanted Mary to be queen because they wanted the restoration of the Catholic faith. So you've got a lot of fascinating things about what this was like, and things that we may not think about. But you know, Henry VIII and the dissolution of the monasteries and people going into hiding and all the things that happened through the course of of that, uh, I guess that when Mary was crowned, a bunch of people who had been hiding stuff kind of brought it back out and said, "Hey, uh, <laughs> we we were putting this in hiding for safekeeping because we weren't sure what was going to going to happen." And now they, I guess, a lot of them brought things out, uh, paintings and statues and some other stuff uh, that that had been sort of spared from the purge, as it were. Yeah, so basically, following the dissolution of the monasteries, they, they, because of the, uh, the avaricious king and his cohorts amongst the aristocracy wanted as much of the church's gold and wealth as they get their hands on. But once they finished with the monasteries and the convents, they started with the parish churches and, and, and stripping the altar, stripping the gold, uh, taking anything of value uh, for themselves. So the people sort of hid this stuff away um, uh, uh, and, in some cases, purchased it, um, but basically to save it from being taken by, by, uh, by those who were just basically stealing from the church. And, and they, they, they returned it with, um, to, to basically redecorate, to replenish the church, to, to restore it to the splendor of its pre-dereliction uh, uh, days, of its, of its true Catholicism. So people just, just returned crucifixes, images, paintings of the Blessed Virgin, you name it, so that the churches will once again, if you like, re-Catholicize, if you can use that word. Well, that being said, obviously, over the course of time before this brief Catholic restoration, there would have been a lot of people who had rallied to uh, the Protestant cause in England. So I imagine that she was not met without resistance. Well, the most important thing is, of course, that the, the only way that King Henry VIII could get away with his uh, um, imposition in, in of himself as head of the church was to bribe the, the arist aristocracy. So basically he handed off, parceled out the church's land to these aristocrats who are now living, you know, uh, on the on the land that belonged to the church, they're now live, turning m abbeys into their own stately homes, uh, etc. Now these people obviously are, 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 do not want to give this ill, these ill-gotten gains back, this stolen property back. 
So they have a vested interest in terms of purely secular terms in, in, in not allowing Mary Tudor to, to restore uh, Catholic property to the Catholic Church. So they form a natural resistance. But it is an elite for the most part. The vast majority of the ordinary people are fully Catholic and in support of the Queen. But, but of course, there is now this powerful aristocracy who are more powerful than ever because of the wealth that they had actually stolen from the Church. It is uh, a fascinating thing to think about, but you know, one wonders, um, and, and I, I feel like maybe the uh, the, the title of, of Bloody Mary we can probably get into in a future uh, segment, just because there's so many different aspects to the political pieces of that. But one wonders, uh, you know, if if there had been kind of if there hadn't been so many people who were in that aristocratic place, right? So many wealthy people pushing back if this thing might not have gone a little bit differently? Oh, very much so. I mean, one example I give in my book is of the Duke of Bedford, who who uh, he, he, he uh, acquired Woburn Abbey, which was a, a big abbey in Bedfordshire, just north of London. And when the Queen, uh, Queen Mary, sought to leave by example by giving back all the land that Henry had stolen, that land which he had then parceled out to others, but the land still belonged to the, to the Crown, she handed all of that back to the, to, to the church and, and re- restored and re-established monasteries and convents, hoping to lead by example. Well, the Duke of Bedford said, basically said, well, to hell with that, and he took his rosary, which he wore around his belt, and threw it in the fire, saying that his, uh, his own home, uh, the uh, Woburn Abbey, was more valuable to him than anything that the church had to offer. So this, this really, if you like, it, it, just giving one example, epitomizes the problem we have. These people had acquired a great deal of wealth and were not willing to give it back. Yeah, it, uh, it comes to a head, and we'll, uh, we'll save that story for next time uh, because, well, let's just say there is some drama and complication involved with it. But in the meantime, Joseph, if our listeners want to connect with you, find some of the various great resources you've got on English history, and even pick up maybe a copy of this book, Faith of Our Fathers, how do they do so? They can do all of the above and keep up with what I'm doing on a, on a daily basis. I posted two new things this morning, for instance, by going to my personal website, jpearce.co, J-P-E-A-R-C-E.co. Joseph, always a pleasure. Have a wonderful day. My pleasure. Thank you, Michael. Bless you. And go Chelsea. Go Chelsea. <laughs> all right, we're back with traffic and weather next. It's 20 past. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith when Father Jonathan Meyer will discuss Mass with the poor souls in purgatory. Father Paul Hedman will share ways to grow in family prayer. I'll reflect on the readings for the 31st Sunday of the year, plus frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Good food can still be fast food. Bridgetown Finer Meats, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has a convenient online store at BridgetownFinerMeats.com. They're all your favorite prepared foods like their delicious homemade soups, beef barbecue, chicken and stuffing, and sweet potato casserole, all available at a click of a button for same-day pickup. They also have high-quality fresh meats like pork, veal, chicken, beef, and seafood, and even produce. Fast, convenient shopping on the go at BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Support comes from On a Mission to Love. For books, handcrafted gifts for baptism, communion, confirmation, wedding, birthdays, and more. 
all deeply based in the rosary and devotion to our Holy Mother. Onamissiontolove.com. That's onamissiontolove.com. For over 50 years, the St. Martin District of St. Vincent de Paul has been providing food, clothing, rent, and utility assistance to people in six counties of Southern Ohio. You can join the St. Martin District of St. Vincent de Paul in helping our neighbors with a monetary or vehicle donation, which is simple and easy. 800-322-8284 or donate online at runforthepoor.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton, roseautomotivegroup.com. 22 minutes past the hour now, and this traffic report is a service of Rose Automotive pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway in Hamilton. On the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. They're working on clearing up the accident on southbound 75 at Sharon Road. Looks like everybody's been moved over to the right shoulder now, but you are still dealing with a significant backup behind it back towards Cincinnati Dayton Road. Probably about an extra 20 minutes to your drive time if you are starting in on the slow stuff. But that is the only problem out there on the interstates right now. Now for weather. Warmer today in Cincinnati under mostly sunny skies, a high of 59 degrees, partly to mostly cloudy tonight with a slight chance for some rain and an overnight low of 41. It'll be mostly cloudy with a slight rain chance tomorrow and high of 62 degrees. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, sunny start today, then increasing afternoon clouds and a high of 59 Mostly cloudy tonight with an overnight low around 43. Mix of clouds and sun with a slight chance of a morning sprinkle tomorrow and a high of 62 degrees. Now please pray with me. The prayer for Ohio ahead of the November 7th election and issue one on the ballot. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Ever living God, you give life and desire a future for all your children. Take hold of our nation, state, and community, and awaken in every heart awe for the gift of life. Send your spirit to strengthen us with wisdom and fortitude as we defend mothers and children in Ohio from laws that disregard their health and safety. Mary and Joseph trusted in you and welcomed Jesus into our broken world. Father, we ask their intercession to protect the preborn and their mothers and to guide all parents in raising their children. May they help us build a civilization of love by upholding the sacredness of life, preserving parental rights, and accompanying pregnant women in need. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady, Mother of the Family, pray for us. St. Joseph, Protector of the Unborn, pray for us. Sue Libel joins us next. It's 24 past. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. We strive to provide the highest quality diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies, enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com, theabrasiveone.com. 
Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirmed. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton, roseautomotivegroup.com. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Sue Liebel. She's Director of State Affairs and the Midwest Regional Director for the Susan B. Anthony List. Sue, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. And I know the Susan B. Anthony List has been working hard in Ohio when it comes to issue one, which is, of course, on the November Mm -hmm. 7th ballot. And I want to ask a couple of questions of you that I hope will help people if it comes up in conversation ahead of Election Day, because here on the ground, it's what a lot of people are talking about right now. So first of all, Cincinnati Right to Life has um, just put out an ad. And if listeners want to see this ad, you can go over to our website, sacredheartradio.com. We've got an issue one page that you can click on and, and find this ad on on YouTube if you want to share it on social media, for instance. Um, It tells the story of an adult soccer coach who got arrested after he got one of his teenage players pregnant, rightfully arrested, of course. Um, But the ad says if issue one were in effect, someone like him would be able to take that girl to an abortion clinic and get it, quote unquote, taken care of without her parents having to know anything about it. And someone may see that ad and say, Sue, nowhere in this proposed amendment does it say that parental consent is going to be eliminated. So how is this so? That is a terrific question. Um, And it's it's unfortunate that in this day and age, we have to look at the fine print, or we even have to look at what something doesn't say. Mm-hmm. But in the amendment, it says that every individual has a right to make and carry out one's own reproductive decisions. Um, and instead of saying every woman has a right, woman means not a girl. So, therefore, a girl is an individual. A minor is an individual. Um, and so the intention there is um, that a minor could make her own decisions about reproductive care. Um, We know this, too, because of the lawsuits that they've filed in other states trying to erase parental consent. We know it's a trend. It's a pattern with the abortion industry and the ACLU. So that is actually the fine print, if you will. But it's super clear that a young girl, a minor, would be able to make her own decisions. Now, what we're talking about in the case of the coach, of course, is coercion is um, or trafficking. Think think even more, you know, other types of situations. So this um, this may be something, a loophole that would help that coach help a trafficker 
uh, in the long run. Wow. Um, I, I think it's a very important point to make that there have been lawsuits in other states that mm-hmm. have sought to to use such vague language to their advantage in this regard. And, and they can pick whatever judge they want. So they find a, a judge and uh, bring up some young girl that doesn't want to tell her parents about an abortion she got. And, and that liberal judge can just eliminate the parental consent laws. Is that right? Yes. And also, um, number B, B number two in the amendment, uh, a person or entity that assists an individual, an ex, an individual, not a girl, hmm. in exercising their right um, has some, uh, some um, not liability. So, wow. again, Coercion wow. is something that is happening. We know and these are tragic situations, but a young woman is not often capable of standing up against her coach or her uh, elder, if you will, abuser. Um, and this is where parents also need to know about this particular aspect of the amendment. It also doesn't just mean abortion. Uh, the, the whole uh, word or term reproductive freedom, reproductive decision could be transgender, mm-hmm. you know, trans drugs, transitioning drugs, surgery uh, for that. So it could be a, a wider range even of, of ac- uh, actions that minors could get without parental involvement. All right. The next thing that I want to ask you about is this issue of health and safety of the mother. Uh, the amendment title is the right to reproductive freedom with provisions for health and safety. And Sue, I think most people probably think of that in terms of, you know, the the quote unquote exceptions to abortion laws. You have rape, incest, and then life or health of the mother. And so they're thinking, oh yeah, well, we want to protect the life and health of the mother. But what about the safety of the mother who is going in for an elective abortion, not in any kind of emergency health situation? What kind of health provisions can be eliminated um, if if a vague amendment goes into the Ohio Constitution, I'm so glad you asked this. I, th- th- this whole thing is is just shocking in how far it goes. It, it just goes too far. But in this particular question, um, this is something that really frosts me um, because what you also can't see because they even use the words health and safety in the title yeah. as if they care. But what it would actually do is allow abortions to be performed by those who don't even have a medical degree. Uh, women wouldn't be getting any um, uh, information about the risks that may be involved or any pre-existing conditions that she may have that might not, you know, they might have to, you know, uh, pay attention to for her health in the long run. Um, I, I have to tell you that I am a woman. Um, I am a woman that is saved by grace. But many years ago, I had an abortion. I would have fallen for this hook, line, and sinker, Mm -hmm. thinking that they care about my safety, they care about my health, and in fact, it's just the opposite. Ohio has existing laws that, you know, for example, abortion facilities need to be near hospitals or or at least the doctor doctor doing an abortion has to have admitting privileges in case something goes wrong, just like we expect for other medical conditions or other medical surgeries and things in today's medical marketplace. 
this would undo all of that protection for women. So now, now we would be looking at not even having a doctor do the procedure. It's just so egregious. It's, it's almost hard to believe, but it's true. Well, and just so listeners know, the language in here says the state shall not directly or indirectly burden or discriminate against either an individual's voluntary exercise of this right or a person or entity that that assists an individual in exercising this right. And we, going back to, let's look at prior examples, there have been lawsuits from Planned Parenthood and the ACLU Mm -hmm. and others that have sought to uh, exempt abortion clinics from from laws that apply to any other kind of surgical center in the state. You know, I've been doing this kind of work, uh, looking at all these policies um, for almost 15 years now. And I've spent my all of that time um, fighting against the abortion industry wanting to remove any sort of regulations. They don't want any rules or regulations. Things that we expect in today's medical marketplace, uh, that that the hallway would be wide enough in the facility to get a gurney down the hallway if you would need to. They, they, they fight it all. But telling women if they had certain kidney issues, they shouldn't take the chemical abortion pills. I mean, it's just stuff that we expect from a doctor or from today's medical, you know, marketplace. But all of this they try to not have to abide by. Um, it, it Think, if you can, think industry. Um, remember during cigarettes and, you know, we the whole thing when we realized that the cigarette industry was actually at fault. They didn't want to have to play by the rules. That sort of thing is happening. Is, this is what that is. This is that industry coming into Ohio and trying to uh, basically line their pockets is what they're really trying to do. So you've heard the old saying, follow the money. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately, that that is true. They, they're really throwing women under the bus by taking away those health and safety regulations. The big clue would be for uh, any voter is putting this in the Constitution. Yeah. You, if, if you do so, you have just removed your ability to vote for elected officials or people who can um, keep those health and safety standards in place. We've been talking to Sue Liebel from the Susan B. Anthony list, which you can find linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. And again, encourage folks to go over to sacredheartradio.com and click on the issue one button where you can get a whole lot more information to help you in your conversations about what this amendment will actually do and sue really appreciate your time and your explanations this morning thank you so much thank you i'd like to um if it's not on your website there is a um a paper that takes the uh the ballot the question and then uh it explains what this actually means what that would mean what and if you went to protectwomenohio.com and click on issue one it has a marked up paper that shows the truth of what those words mean. Oh, yeah. It's a really good one. Yeah. Protectwomenohio.com is another great place to go to get more information. Sue, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right. It is 37 minutes past the hour now. It's time for news. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has arrived in Israel. Blinken's expected 
to push for humanitarian pauses in Israel's war against Hamas and for the Israeli government to protect more civilians in the Gaza Strip. He's also expected to discuss how Gaza will be administered once the war is over and whether a two-state solution could still be possible. The Patriarchate of Jerusalem this week issued a statement condemning a recent strike in Gaza. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Luboff reports. The Patriarchate of Jerusalem issued a statement on the 31st of October condemning the Israeli military's bombardment of the Orthodox Cultural Center in the Tel al-Hawa neighborhood of Gaza. In the statement, the Patriarchate emphasized that this attack represented a stark embodiment of Israel's unwarranted determination to destroy the civil infrastructure and social service centers, as well as shelters for civilians trapped in the besieged enclave. The Patriarchate highlights that the social, cultural, and sports centers have become vital providers of essential humanitarian services and safe havens for those affected by Israeli airstrikes targeting residential areas, the statement read. The Patriarchate further expressed that this assault on the Orthodox Cultural Center and its service facilities constituted a direct and unjustified attack on one of the pillars of culture and social services in Gaza. The Patriarchate also noted with grave concern that the Israeli military had targeted 19 places of worship, including mosques and churches in Gaza. Such attacks on civilians, particularly children, and the deliberate destruction of civilian infrastructure, it said, cannot be justified on rational or humanitarian grounds and are fundamentally at odds with even the most basic moral values. The Patriarchate reiterated its firm demand for an immediate and comprehensive ceasefire in the Gaza Strip and pledged to continue its international efforts to achieve this goal and to continue its international efforts to achieve this goal as soon as possible. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. And just a reminder, Daylight Savings Time, I think it, does it mean it ends this weekend? Does Daylight Savings Time end this week? In any event, we fall back, so just remember that. Um, AAA is telling people to make sure that you stay safe on the roads, but I'm telling you to remember that Mass is an hour later than you're used to if you use analog clocks that you manually have to set backwards, so... FYI. 839, we got to get to sports. Brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Take it away, Paul. All right. Thank you very much. Last night, Thursday night football saw the Pittsburgh Steelers steal a win uh, with a 20 to 16 outcome over the Tennessee Titans in Pittsburgh. Steelers improved to um, what is the record now? Five and three. That's just a game back of Baltimore. And then uh, Tennessee dropped to three and five. Still in the mood for football. We got uh, Division One, Region Four, second round Ohio High School regional quarterfinal matchup. Sixth seeded Elder Panthers travel to Firebird Field to face the three seeded Lakota West Firebirds. Pre-game can be heard right here on Sacred Heart Radio. That starts at six thirty. Kickoff. At 7 o'clock, catch all the action right here. Thanks to the guys at the Prep Sports Radio Network. Last night on the ice, Blue Jackets secured a 4-2 comeback win over the Tampa Bay Lightning. And this weekend, FC Cincinnati returns to the pitch, taking on the New York Red Bulls, leading their series one game to none in a best-of-three set. Let's check in on sports. we got more on the Sunrise Morning Show right after this. Let there be light. 
are the first words that God spoke in the Bible. But even though we chose the darkness of sin, Father Rob Jack reflects on how God overcame the darkness by sending us the light of the world for Sacred Heart Radio's Christmas newsletter. And to bring the light of the world to everyone, use the QR card that we sent so everyone can download the Sacred Heart Radio app. Then on Wednesday, December 6th, local Catholics will prove to those pushing to silence pro-life radio that we are an immovable force by raising $60,000 during Sacred Heart Radio's Advent Pledge Drive. And with our pledge drive on the Feast of St. Nicholas, you'll meet the big man himself that delivered the Sunrise Morning show on video. You'll also read how we're planning to sweeten the deal when Sacred Heart Radio visits your parish, along with the updated program schedule and more. To receive the Christmas newsletter with the QR card, visit sacredheartradio.com and click on newsletter sign up. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700. Online at beaconortho.com. Happy to welcome back to the Sunrise Morning Show, Father Hezekiah Carnazzo from the Institute of Catholic Culture, here to preview the readings for the 31st Sunday in Ordinary Time this weekend. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Annie. It's a blessing to be with you and your listeners today. It is a blessing to have you back. And our first reading Sunday is from the book of the prophet Malachi, or Malachi, depending on, you know, whether you're Irish or not. Uh, the Lord having the Lord having some rather choice words for the priests through the prophet Malachi. He says that they have voided the covenant of Levi and that their blessings will be curses now. I mean, sounds pretty bad here, Father. What have the priests been doing? Well, we've spoken a lot, Annie, in the past on your show about the tragic importance of the Babylonian captivity that took place six, seven hundred years, give or take, before the coming of Christ. And 70 years following that, their return from Babylon to Jerusalem and the surrounding area, the Holy Land. And when they did return, they did so with foreign gold. If you remember the story, the King Cyrus, the Persian, suddenly, miraculously, had a conversion of heart and comes to faith in the one true God. And when he did that, he gave them money. Much like Pharaoh, as they came out of Egypt, the Israelites were loaded with Egyptian gold. So in a similar way here in this, this time period, which ends the Babylonian captivity, the people head back to the Promised Land loaded with money to rebuild the temple. And that's the purpose of it. Go back, rebuild the temple, restore the sacrifices, and so forth. But unfortunately, what takes place, we learn from the prophets, is that the people of God return to the promised land and they busy themselves with their own concerns, rebuilding their own homes, taking care of their own things. And, of course, we also know that what ensues is a time of, of drought, a time of famine, so forth. And the people are asking why, and Malachi basically is their answer. He's the Lord's messenger by translation of his name, and he comes to give the message, the response to the people saying, it's because your hearts aren't right with the Lord. You priests that were supposed to be offering sacrifice to God, 
what are you doing? Rather than offering the firstborn and the first fruits and worshiping God in sincerity of heart, they're bringing blind and lame animals and not giving God the full worship due to him. They may be following the law. They may be fulfilling the so-called obligations, the minimum of what is required, but their heart's not in it. And, 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 and ultimately, their offerings are rejected. And so we see a similar kind of circumstance going on in the gospel in Matthew 23. So for the past any number of weeks, I can't remember how many weeks now, we've been in the midst of Holy Week and the scribes and the Pharisees have been trying to trap Jesus by asking him questions. And he has, of course, turned it around on them and silenced them. And now... He turns to the crowds. Tell us about this. Yeah, he turns to the crowds and says, look at these guys. These are the guys you call teachers. These are the guys you call masters. These are the guys you call father. And look, they're bankrupt. They may be saying the right things. Their homily might be really good. But their life that they're living behind the scene is corrupt. And it's a warning to all of us in this Old Testament reading and in the, in the gospel text that the Lord wants our heart. He doesn't want us to fulfill the jot and tittle of the law, well, he does, to to the extent that that is an avenue by which we might offer ourselves to him. But ultimately, he wants our heart instead of what's left over in our pockets. And maybe we can apply this very quickly because Malachi warns, he says, you guys, you're you're bringing your offerings to the Lord, but you're not bringing the full tithe, the 10% of what you receive, the first fruits, and calls us to repentance to look and say, what are we doing? Are, Are you called to support the church? I'm going to go ahead and play this now. Are you called to, to offer charitable support to the church? Yes. Well, the tradition is 10%. The first fruits of what you have received ought to be given to the Lord. And if you're, you're not in the habit of tithing, my brothers and sisters, let me tell you right now, this is a long-standing Christian tradition, custom, to offer 10%, the first 10% of what we receive. It's all the Lord's anyways. Give that back to God. As we offer, this is our, our first fruits. These are our lambs of today, if you will, that we would be offering to the Lord. Not the blind, not the lame, not what's left over in our pockets when the basket is passed around. But to make an intentional offering of our life, the first 10% of what we have, our talents, our time, our treasure for the Lord, as a way to recognize that our whole life is a gift from Him, and then to enter into this relationship with the Lord rather than fulfilling the obligations, the minimal obligations of the law. Did I get to Mass just in time to hear the reading or the gospel or whatever it is? Did I do just enough fasting that it counts? No, no. The Lord wants our whole heart, our whole life in relationship with Him. That way we might receive what He has to offer, and that is the fullness of His life. So well put. Um, I want to ask you one more question before we let you go, Father, because Jesus says here, The scribes and the Pharisees have taken their seat on the chair of Moses. Therefore, do and observe all things whatsoever they tell you, but do not follow their example. And so my question is because as I'm reading this from an American standpoint, it's like, well, you got all these hypocrites. I'm not going to follow you. I'm not going to do what you say. And yet Jesus is saying do what they say, just don't well, follow their example. How do we how do we look the, at that? Right, to the extent that they're teaching the truth, then we ought to follow them according to what we've received, but follow the teachings. It's not their teachings, it's Moses' teachings, right? To the extent mm. that they are teaching the Mosaic law, they ought to be followed. 
But, of course, Jesus isn't saying to follow them into the pit if they're teaching things contrary to the law. No, they're living contrary to the law, so don't live according to the way they're living. To the extent they're teaching the truth and the, the way of truth, fine. And it's the same today is, is true. And I think maybe we can conclude with this, Annie. There are many teaching the truths of the faith out there, but their lives are, are something to other. The extent that they're not teaching the truth, we can't follow them. Some would, would say we need to bless homosexual so-called marriages and uh, even even bishops and cardinals teaching things contrary. They, we can't follow them. No, otherwise, otherwise we come into communion with false, the one who is the, the author of, of error, and that is the devil. And I don't want to have a communion with him. No, we follow the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the extent that our church leaders are teaching the truths of, of, of the faith, we can follow. But oftentimes, sadly, in our, in our private life, in our moral life, not ultimately living the way we ought to. And we ought not follow their example in that way either. We've been talking to Father Hezekiah Carnazzo and Father, if listeners want to see what's coming up over at the Institute, where do they go? Instituteofcatholicculture.org. Come check us out. Everything's free of charge. Learning the truths of the faith, the perennial teachings of the church. Instituteofcatholicculture.org. And you can find that linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. 10 till. We're back right after this. Stay with us. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Is inflation making you feel frustrated and out of control when it comes to your expenses? We have a solution. It's Solidarity HealthShare. With Solidarity HealthShare, you control what doctors you go to and how much you spend with pricing options that start as low as $384 for families. Take control of your health care and your budget with Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. The Catholic Church teaches the importance of a respectful Christian burial for the body, which was a temple of the Holy Spirit here on earth. This includes cremated remains, which is the body in a different form. The prayerful, peaceful atmosphere of the consecrated grounds of Gate of Heaven Catholic Cemetery reflect respect for those laid to rest there and for their loved ones. Be prepared and give the gift of peace of mind to your family. Call 513-489-0300 or visit gateofheaven.org. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swain, joined now by Anna Mitchell as we close out a week on a Friday. It's been a big one. It's been a very large week. Yes, it has. In the life of the church. You know, we've had the uh, All Hallows Eve celebration, which mm-hmm. uh, lined up with Reformation Day, and, and Twitter was full of all kinds of stuff that I thought we had resolved. <laughs> um, then you've got uh, All Saints Day we had on November 1st, Holy Day of Obligation, then All Souls Day yesterday. Today we got the Feast of St. Martin of Tours. I'm sorry, of Martin Porous. de Porus. We got... This is why I get confused, because we have so many. Tomorrow, we got Charles Borromeo. Yeah, he's a big one. 
Um, then we got the... All kinds of seminaries named after Charles Borromeo, Plenty, real hero of the Catholic Reformation period. Yes, indeed. Um, once you get to uh, next week, you got a couple more. Like I say, we've got uh, Elizabeth of the Trinity, mm-hmm. uh, which I know Chris McGregor is a huge fan of. Big fan. Um, then you got a building gets a feast day on the 9th. You got the dedication of the Basilica of St. John Lateran. That's on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And then Leo the Great's on the 10th of November. Now, Veterans Day is observed next Friday, but Veterans Day normally lines up with St. Martin's Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Martin of Tours. And he shows up on Saturday, the 11th. So big feasts uh, in the life of the church this November. Of course, the whole month dedicated to the holy souls. Yeah, and one thing that kind of makes me smile as you look through the... There's, um, for listeners that aren't familiar with it, Matt and I use a website called catholicsaints.info, and they have a whole calendar with the lists of like all of the saints like the ones them. that like you've never heard of but they're on the calendar and they've got a feast day and um i was clicking through next week mad and there are so many um of course we had all saints day as you were mentioning but like on sunday at november well it's sunday this year but november 5th it's the feast of all jesuit saints there are a lot of them it's a lot um i there's uh on the 6th all saints of ireland that's a big one um let me see here i saw also um oh on the 7th all dominican saints lots of them too and then um on november 8th I see it is like the All Souls Day for Dominicans. It's all deceased Dominicans on the uh, on the calendar, which is St. Elizabeth of the Trinity's Feast Day, but also the Feast of Blessed John Duns Scotus. Um, so it's funny that we pray for all Dominican souls um, on the Feast of a Franciscan friar yeah. who... You know, some... universal church. Some claim that uh, now he is... He obviously, what is it, Dr. Jared Stout says this because Dr. Jared Stout is a, you know, diehard Thomist. Um, He says that uh, basically that he disagreed with Aquinas on everything. And so he said, so he was only right on one thing, and that was the Immaculate Conception. (laughs) Well, you know, uh, he being a Thomist will take consolation in the fact that November 15th, we got Albert the Great. Yes. Um, 22nd, we've got St. Cecilia. November's um, a great month of saints. Yeah, Mother Cabrini's this month. St. Andrew uh, on the 30th. Blessed Miguel Pro on the 23rd. Ooh. There's, man, there's some good ones. Yeah. November rivals, I, I always am amazed at August. And August actually November. also October, for that matter. You know what? Why do I even say this? It's like every All month. All the months. The, all the months. All the all months are great. St. Andrew Dunlock this month. Ooh. Uh, nice. Yeah, there's there's a lot. But we are praying for you to get a rat today on the Feast of St. Martin de Porres. We'll see how that goes. You let us know if you pray and you get a rat. I want to know the story. Yep. 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 Because you just never know. Same here. Yeah. By the way, November, Anna Mitchell closes out on the 30th with the Feast of Andrew the Apostle. Well, that's so, what I was just saying. Did you not hear me? Yeah, did you say that already? Yeah, I know that because it's my dad's birthday. Uh, there you go. <laughs> well, we'll be back for as much of it as we can, should the Lord tarry. In the meantime, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.
If you're planning to give an end-of-the-year gift to Sacred Heart Radio, we are grateful. And there are several ways to give, including a stock gift through your IRA or a donor-advised fund. There's planned giving, employee matching funds. You can send a check, donate online, and more. Contact your financial advisor for more information on the tax benefits of donating to Sacred Heart Radio. And to see and read about all the ways to give, visit sacredheartradio.com and click on Ways to Give. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Twin Dental of Cincinnati. Since 1986, twin brothers, Drs. David and Michael Rothen, have been providing superior dental care in a relaxed and comfortable setting for the entire family. The twin dental doctors utilize advanced dentistry techniques from sedation to implants and the latest in cosmetic options to preserve and beautify smiles. Twin Dental, located just off the I-275 exit at Hamilton Avenue. For a complimentary evaluation, 513-825-6111 and online at twindental.com. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozard Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait at brozartpharmacy.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoding Realtors, trusted and recommended by generations of families to sell their homes. Licensed in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Hoting Realtors, 513-451-4800 and at Hoting.com. Water damage in your home or business? Plumbing and flooding problems not repaired and restored can quickly get worse over time. Rainbow International of Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can help. Rainbow International, 513-271-1000. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. For over 50 years, the St. Martin District of St. Vincent de Paul has been providing food, clothing, rent, and utility assistance to people in six counties of Southern Ohio. You can join the St. Martin District of St. Vincent de Paul in helping our neighbors with a monetary or vehicle donation, which is simple and easy. 800-322-8284 or donate online at runforthepoor.org. This is Archbishop Dennis Schnur from the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at